Hey HBs, this is Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two friends recap love stories with happy endings while making jokes and loving on each other. We've got to get this show started with a Patreon shout out because we could not do this without our amazing patrons. Brianna R., you are at loot. A spirit that takes the form of both a majestic orca whale and a large mythical wolf. You are the queen of the North Sea and the tundra. Sometimes shifting back and forth, sometimes just walking around like a badass killer whale with wolf legs, or a wolf sporting a pretty fancy whale fin. The Aklut is a fierce and cunning beast, and no one wants to get in your way. Legend has it that you were once a person who loved the sea and wanted to live in the ocean full-time, but also wanted revenge on some people. So you decided to become a whale and a wolf, so you could swim around most of the time, but also come on shore and murder all your enemies. You just decided to do that, to be a whale-wolf shifter. And then you did. It just shows you that if you try hard and believe in yourself, Anything can happen, Brianna. If you're interested in our Patreon shoutouts or any of the other benefits, visit patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast. Oh, and if you're a newer listener and you always wanted to know what our very, very first episode was all about, we just posted that on our Patreon feed for your listening pleasure. Or not so pleasure. The sound quality has definitely improved. Today, we've got a very special episode for you. Aaron joined Cole on his show, The Cigarette Burns Podcast, to recap the American president, and you get to hear that here. So without further ado, here's your two faves, Aaron and Cole. So, do you remember those Disney's like movies of the week, movies yes. of the month, or whatever they did? Yes, okay. Brink, Xenon, oh, Girl of the Twenty First Century. They wanted that Brink kid to be like the most famous actor. In I'm all sorry, they Eric used... Von Detten. Is that the actor we're talking about? I just named him. So, yeah, Eric Von Detten. Wasn't he in the first Princess Diaries? And is that when Disney was like, "Fuck this guy"? Uh was he in the first? No, 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 no. That. No, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. was the he was the bad he was the bad one. He was like That's the hot one that she couldn't pop her foot for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, obviously, and then there was the good one who put the M and M's on the pizza. But more importantly, <laughs> in the second Princess Diaries, we have the true hero. Are you aware? I'm assuming Chris Pine, even though I have not seen. Oh, that's the Chris Pine one? doing the worst yeah. accent you've ever heard in your life, and it so, doesn't matter. So. I watched uh, Smoke and Aces like a week or two weeks uh-huh. ago, whatever. I hadn't seen it forever because it's not a good movie and you shouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never heard anyone be like, I haven't, I haven't seen Smoke and Aces in forever. Better turn that on. I, I completely forgot how many people were in that movie, including yes. a very young white yes. supremacist, Chris Pine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is one flavor of Chris Pine. It's not my favorite flavor, but it's one of them. And usually I try to text you about Chris Pine in the realm of giving him shit. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to find like a, a gif of how ridiculous he was. And it, would it shock you to know that there are no Chris Pine is ugly gifs? No. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. There's one of Chris exist. Pine eating a sandwich 
Um, that's about the closest you get. I'm a very, I'm very uh, learned on the Chris Pine gifts. Anyway, what were you talking about? <laughs> we're talking about Eric Von Denton. Am I supposed to say his so, name? What's going on? What's yeah, happening? No, don't don't worry about Eric Von Denton. No. By the way, Eric, if you're listening, I hope you're doing well. Um, I hope you're still rollerblading <laughs> Come and on the pod. all that shit. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to have you. Well, he is, he's but. a soul skater, so he is still rollerblading. Was it rollerblading or was it skateboarding? There were ramps. Oh, in, no, in Brink, I'm pretty sure it was rollerblading. Was it? God, yeah. it was, that was a rollerblading movie? Yes. I mean, I'm not going to give too much shit to the rollerblading because I did play street hockey after I saw D2. Did you? Because I feel like I was around at this time in your life and I do not remember street hockey face. Oh, yeah. No, there was a big street hockey uh, like oh, underground okay. in, in <laughs> you know, St. Andrew's neighborhood. So... We always, we always got. Is really the neighborhood mad you're referring to Country Club Estates? Because that's the neighborhood you grew up in. Yes, <laughs> Don't call it, it the St. Andrews neighborhood. Like that's what it's called. It's called Country well, like, Club Estates, and there wasn't but it was, street hockey in it. <laughs> there was street hockey on St. Andrews Drive. Oh, that's, that's what I meant. Like, it's different neighborhoods within the estates now. Come on. What actor are we talking about? What's going on? Uh, Okay, you so guys guess the actor it. we're talking about. It could be, it could be literally anyone because we haven't talked about it. It's not Eric Von Denton. No. That. Is it Camilla Bell? <laughs> so, anyway, the movie I was going to talk about was Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was really hoping it was that surfing one with Camilla Bell. Um, nope, I nope. Hard pass. I fucking love Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. I love that oh, movie. Oh, shut the fuck up. Yes. <laughs> There's no way you've seen this movie. <laughs> I loved that movie. The main character's name is Sonora Webster. I remember uh-huh. that because when she introduces herself to the hot guy, she says her name is Sonora, Sonora Webster. Uh, and it's a stupid name, and that's how I remember it. I used to play Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken with Barbies, where I would put a Barbie in like the shittiest, <laughs> raggiest dress that I had. I cut a Barbie's hair, to be short like her in the movie and then i would put it on a horse and then i would throw it down my stairs <laughs> and that's how i would play now, now, only child. I'm, a, I'm assuming that your mom was not like feel free to put an inflatable pool at the bottom of the stairs no there was no water involved um she broke every bone and went blind every time <laughs> you didn't even turn the barbie's head <laughs> actually i probably did to be completely honest with you that seems like an errand move um this movie is about a girl who works for a circus and jumps horses off of a high dive diving board into a pool of water and you have to turn your head at the last moment so you don't go blind and spoilers, she goes blind. There's also a great scene where she jumps on the horse from like the side of a, a w- the ring where the horses run around and she's got to get <laughs> Drawing on Drawing it. it with your finger Yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> you guys see what I'm doing? It's like I'm putting a circle in the air. And like the hot guy wants her to get on the horse and then he's like, you can't, you're, you're punishing yourself too much. And she's like, no, I have dreams. What were we talking about? <laughs> it's a great apparently, movie. Apparently we turned this into the Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken episode. Yeah, let's do that. What, what movie but, are we even doing today? Wild Hearts we'll Can't there. Be Broken. We'll get there. I just want to get you because I had no idea that you would have even seen this movie it's crazy to me that that's possible because i had the biggest crush on her i'm looking it up for you it's michael sheffling yep that's why i don't know who it is because he's not yep. a person who's in things after that <laughs> he was so, hot though you guys yeah that, that's my understanding <laughs> so anyway i saw her and i was like 
A, huge crush, and B, I loved the movie, which I can't imagine. I think I've only seen it once. Like, I can't imagine sitting through it now. I and can't I imagine only it. seeing it once. To be <laughs> completely. It's so... But I do remember thinking like, oh, she was in that. And then she showed up, uh, had a big 93 with Three Musketeers, which I'm a huge, like, anything Three Musketeers. Oh, yeah. I mean, even that shitty Logan Lerman one. I watched that. She um, was the queen. The queen that was oh. married to the sickly king, right? Yep. The and she, she, like, king. Made, she like made him a man, but with Yeah, I remember that. I rem- like, yeah. there was definitely an undercurrent, like, the king is gay. Like, that was a plot in yes. that movie, was it not? Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and, like, Tim Curry was playing off of that to be like, I'm going to get with the queen because, like, she needs a man. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, Tim Curry. Actually, really good movie. Dark Kiefer Sutherland, like, way <laughs> too dark for a Disney Three Musketeers movie. Really interesting cool. casting choice. Is there a light Kiefer Sutherland? Now, think about this. I know what you're thinking. You're like, he's been in light things. Designated Survivor. Other things that I'm sure he's been in that are light. <laughs> There is no light, Kiefer Sutherland. He's all dark all the time, always. The best part of that movie is dark that Kiefer. Disney, <laughs> Disney, you know, Soft Edges, Family Disney was like, here's what we need in our Three Musketeers movie. We need Kiefer Sutherland, obviously. <laughs> Obs. We need we need Rebecca De Mornay's bust. Yeah, I was gonna obviously. say the, the- <laughs> that that dress was hanging on for dear life. Yes. And then if we could get, I mean, I hear Charlie Sheen's a good guy. (laughs) Maybe we could get him, maybe he could play Aramis because Aramis is like a priest. Yeah. And that's, if we could get Charlie Sheen, I think this would all come together. This is all going to work out. Which one, was it Kiefer that was supposed to be like the hot one? He was the hot one, right? Well, I mean, D'Artagnan's the young one, so that's Chris Sure, sure, sure. But like of of the three, I feel like Kiefer was supposed to be the sexy one. Sure. Yeah, I guess. He's the <laughs> you're, one. you're like I don't. Find, I was twelve. I, mean, I don't find yeah. out which guy was supposed to be the same. My, my well, choices were my choices Oliver were Platt, Kiefer Sutherland, <laughs> my hero Oliver Platt, and yeah. of probably getting ready to go to rehab for the third time, Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like yep. like I fucked up everything after Wall Street, so now I'm doing a Disney movie, Charlie Sheen, that guy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she's in that. She's in For Love or Money, which if you haven't checked that out, that's a really good romantic comedy with Michael yeah. J. Fox. Love that movie. And then like I never saw her again. That's bullshit. Like, she she was, was in the Tudors. She was a she was a queen. One of those Tudor. I don't know who she was, but she was one of those Tudors. <laughs> I don't know what the part she, she played. She she was cat. She was in the Tudors. Um, I think she dies quickly, but she was in the Tudors. And I just kind of always expected her after having like a leading role in a what I thought was a well-received romantic comedy. Like, oh, she could do the rom-com thing. She's she's got mm-hmm. that look of like a leading actress and it just didn't happen. And then I saw her in Burn Notice. That oh, was yeah. I didn't see Burn Notice. S- yeah, I, I definitely fell in love with that show for a while. Still haven't seen the last season, but she was the girl in that. That was her, you know, she had a co-lead in that, but it just kind of never worked out. And I'm like... I can't figure it out, and I guess I just have to blame Craig Sheffer because she did marry Craig Sheffer. <laughs> Put um, that on a resume, which I, which I think, which I think permanently cements you to the '90s. Yeah. If you have any connection to Craig Sheffer, they're like, we can't. I'm sorry, we can't. You're, you're too close. It's, it's always you're too close to the sun. We're sorry. <laughs> we, we can only uh, give one of you a part on One Tree Hill. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the best oh, we can yeah. do. So anyway. Hey guys, uh, it's Cole. This is another episode of Cigarette Burns, but you probably noticed that the voice uh, with me today is not Jed. So 
fan favorite no. Aaron is back with us. What's up? Me, Aaron. Not much. Welcome Talking back. Talking about movies. My friend. Thanks. I'm glad to be back. Well, I... Is, that, I, is the introduction <laughs> part over now? Let's do this. I didn't realize we were going to do four minutes on Eric Von Detten. So, yeah, I guess the intro is, is over. You bring up Eric Von Detten or Devin Sawa, we're doing four minutes. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> Devin careful Sawa what, earns it. Careful what which, landmines you step on. This will not be the last time we talk about Devin Sawa today, so don't worry. He's on my notes. What? Don't worry. We'll get there. Did you cast him in the 2019 no, no. version of the American president? <laughs> no. That's me dropping my legal pad because I clearly didn't do a good as good of job as you. So you just heard we're going to talk about the American president today. So strap in. It's going to be a long one. But yeah, I, I just want to say. Limited, limited series. That, this uh, episode one. This is for its flaws, and it definitely has flaws. Is just like one of the most rewatchable. <laughs> I'm sorry, Aaron is just scowling at me. There's no. I didn't see any flaws. I just watched it last night. I did too. I did too. There were a couple things that I was like, oh, I could, you know, maybe do without, but it's like the most rewatchable movie in the world. It, it's so rewatchable. And you'll find that if you, I assume everyone out there has seen it at least five times mm-hmm. or so. If you watch it again, if you decide to queue that up, $3.99 Apple rental tonight, um, you don't you're going to realize. It? Eh, no. What? I don't, I feel like I don't own anything anymore. Cause I just, cause I'm going to have to watch it how many times, like you, to own it, it costs like $16 or whatever. So I'm going to have to I watch mean, it four times you don't think you to can like get, make good on that. You don't think you can get a $2 DVD on eBay that takes 45 days to get delivered up to Alaska? <laughs> right. I just rent everything like that I want to watch. And that's probably not the most economical way to do it, but it's just, that's how, listen, Here's what I'm saying. If you watch it tonight, you're going to find out you still have this movie memorized. That's true. Because I was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen this movie in like two, three years. I still have it memorized. So I want to ask you a question because I I was doing some research and this fucking thing blew me away. Yes. You just used the mute button to cough. That is so thoughtful of you. Professional. (laughs) So It's me. There were a couple of things that fucking blew my mind. But this one probably the most was the budget on the movie was 62 million bucks. Yes. How much money do you think this made at the box office? Are are you suggesting it's low? I don't know. These are hard questions for me. I don't know the movie. I don't know I, the film business. I don't live in Hollywood like you. I, um, I don't live in Hollywood. I do take the 10, but I don't live in Hollywood. God, the, I, I don't know when you're going to put this out, but in the last episode you were like, why didn't uh, Thelma and Louise just take the 10? I was like, geez, that's the most LA thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, what were we talking about? The box office. We have skipped over the part in the podcast where you just tell me everything we've been doing wrong. I don't know. Did you have? <laughs> yeah, isn't that a segment we do at the beginning? Yeah, this is this is um, Aaron fixes thing number cigarette one. Burns. You did National Treasure without me. Did we talk about that last time I was on? We did. So not over. Because I think yet. we did. Okay. Okay. Not. Nope. Not over it. Got it. Um. What was I gonna? Oh yeah, I would say it made more than that at the box office, but not much more. That's what I'm gonna say. So domestic, it made sixty uh-huh. million bucks. I feel like that's low. It did not. Yeah, it didn't be, make it money. Low. It blew my mind. Like it didn't make its money back domestically. Yeah. Worldwide, one hundred seven, which also blows my mind that it made really? forty-seven million worldwide. Huh? Because just, none of those people are like global stars in a way that they're not American stars. I wonder if it's just curiosity about like the American president. I don't know. That's <laughs> this is weird. Like, it's such a uniquely American movie that I'm like, how does this mm-hmm. have global appeal? I don't get it. And I also don't get why it didn't make its money back here. Yeah, that's weird. Because um, it's like one of the greatest movies of all time. Oh, my God. It so. is so good. Like last night, Jess and I were watching it. 
and it, it was late by the time we uh happy birthday by the way sweetheart i know this is going to come out a few weeks after your birthday but uh anyway it was we celebrated last night and she's on the couch and i was like we're watching american president happy birthday <laughs> and, and she loves it this and is she's for like you she's like this is, this is great thank you but it was like 11 <laughs> by the time we kick it on and so she's sort of falling asleep on the couch and i was like oh you know what let's just go upstairs she's like no no no, no. i just love listening to it just love hearing the American president, which, when you think about it, makes sense because the music is phenomenal. The music is really good. You know what? I didn't check. Who did the music for this? Mark Shaman. Mm, mm-hmm. The music is like, there are shots, especially when things are not going well for everybody. There are shots where it's like just the music and like a door for like five seconds. Mm-hmm. And like the dialogue is the music. Uh, no, the music is phenomenal. And I just love this. She was like, no, I just I just like hearing it. Like it's and it is one of those movies that I've seen so many times. Like, I don't know how many times you've seen it. I've probably seen it 50 at yeah. least. I I'm I'm over 20, but I don't watch movies like you do. I don't have things in the background, so I have to actually watch. It is a movie that has like a cadence to it. So it is kind of soothing to listen to because it is like all Aaron Sorkin things have a cadence to them, but it is like a soothing, like people are smart and competent and like there's good music in the background. It's a uplifting, hopeful cadence to it. Yeah. So even if you're not truly listening, it kind of puts you in a good mood. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that I, I was getting ready to sort of bring up Sorkin and, and how important music is to everything he's ever written, just because the dialogue yes. flows with it so perfectly. So before we get into what actually happens, I want to talk about the cast and crew because it's like a murderer's row of 90s greatness. You had Rob Reiner. Oh, yeah. And before we go any further, I just want to read you his 84 to 94. <laughs> this is Spinal Tap. Good. The Sure Thing. Mm-hmm. Stand By Me. I forgot he did that. The Princess Bride. That's a good movie. Popular. <laughs> when Harry Met Sally. Also a popular one. Misery. Yes. A Few Good Men. <laughs> North. The worst Elijah Wood movie ever. Poof, that's a tall order. The worst Elijah movie, <laughs> Elijah movie, Elijah Wood movie ever. Let me think on that a little bit. Keep yeah, going. Yeah, you, you give that some thought. And then The American President. Like, that's a ridiculous run. That's a, that's a, there's a fair number of popular good movies <laughs> in that list. It's like, to, to have that run and North is the one total misfire. Yeah. Because it's a really shitty movie. Guys, don't go see that. Okay? Go see North. Don't even, don't waste your time. Watch yeah. this twice. <laughs> so, he, he does all of that. And, you know, he obviously meets Aaron Sorkin on A Few Good Men. And I, I think because of everything Aaron Sorkin has done and sort of meant to TV and movies and screenwriting over the last 15 years, it's it, I kind of forgot this was like his infancy of screenwriting. This is his second written yeah. by. I mean, he's still riding the wave of A Few Good Men, but um, yeah, yeah th- he's real new. Yeah, he did A Few Good Men. He did uh, just a treatment on Malice. And then he wrote this. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and it seems so in his pocket and he seems so comfortable writing the script because this doesn't seem like a strained script to me. You know, sometimes you get that, uh, you know, Chris McQuarrie, I think this happened to uh, when he did the way of the gun, which I think is a better movie than people give it credit for. But I feel the strain of it trying to match like usual suspects. Right. I don't get that strain in this screenplay. No, Um, this is like clearly him in his comfort zone. And I would posit of Aaron Sorkin movies and television shows, the least sexist, which I appreciate <laughs> as a female woman. I'm not saying it's not at all sexist. I'm saying it is the least sexist Aaron Sorkin. I was I was wondering how long, because I did want to talk to you about this. We're 20 minutes in. That's about right. Um, 
I, I wanted to talk to you about this because Aaron Sorkin's one of my is my favorite modern writer, just because I, I'm a bit of an optimist, which I know might surprise some folks, but like I love the optimism that he writes with around kind of all the topics that he's been involved with, whether it's politics, which is a very popular one. He loves sports and like Moneyball is a very optimistic film. Oh, I forgot and about Moneyball. That's such a good movie. Yeah. I just love that feeling, uh, particularly like, I mean, it's going to be hard to avoid modern politics while we're talking about this film. Yes. Because it is a uh, movie that's heart is about gun control. It's a movie yeah, about gun control. I know. Romance and gun control. And gun control. The two great American things. Yes. But I just, I love the way he writes it. But I think because I love that optimism. Every time I watched something, and it got to the point where once I saw, I, I loved A Few Good Men because it's incredible. I love this movie because it's incredible. And so I was like, oh, I'm in on Aaron Sorkin. So everything he does, I'm just going to watch it. Right. And that that wash of just happiness, like what great things can happen if like good people work together. I sort of missed all of the paternalism and misogyny and sexism yeah. the first time through. Well, it's because it's cloaked in it's cloaked in like mansplaining usually and yeah. like it's cloaked in this idea of like aren't women great? Like women can do <laughs> stuff. Like we've I, I hired this woman and look how competent she is. Like that's how it always is. And so like the first time you, when you're watching it in like 1998, 2001 or whatever, you're like yeah, women, because not a lot of shows were even doing that. But then you look right. back and you're like, wait a minute, this is this is really awkward, the things that are being said. Um, yeah, th there's like the West Wing, which I'm sure we'll end up doing an episode uh, on the West Wing as a whole, because it's one of my favorite TV series ever. I, I rewatch it all the time. It's a really good background thing for me. One of my favorite episodes is called The Crackpots and These, these Women. These women. These <laughs> women. God. They and, just sit back. Look it's at these still, women. It's still a really good episode. Like, really good stuff happens, but you get to the end of it, and you have Martin Sheen and every other white guy standing in the, the residence looking at CJ and, and everybody else and just saying, I mean, God, can you believe these women? They <laughs> speak in complete sentences. <laughs> they can walk without falling down. Uh -huh. Yeah, It's incredible. And good on us because we employed them. We I mean, found them. <laughs> And look, and look at Mandy over there. Mandy <laughs> over there has already convinced the president, but she still wants to convince Toby as if oh, like convincing God. one man isn't enough. Like, <laughs> yeah. God yeah, bless her for the, for the gusto. Like, and you're like, ah, that, that, that's a little sandpapery. Yeah. And the, the role of women usually in his, um, in his writing is to like save men, white men, from their own genius or like somehow prop them up in a way of like catch all their little like like geniusy quirks and like soften their edges for them that's kind of what their whole role is which is a little bit so queasy. it's my understanding that you've seen the newsroom i have and the newsroom is when i like i was like mm, yes a new aaron sorkin <laughs> show cannot wait I got my popcorns. I got my, oh my God, this is so super sexist. And then I started going back and I'm like, oh God, it always has been. Oh no, oh no. Ah! Um, no. And I think I would say it gets worse with time um, and cocaine addiction. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is, yep. He, is he coming on? Is he coming on the pod? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I have, I have my Aaron Sorkin uh, hotline already oh you know what i'm unafraid i'm unafraid of aaron sorkin listening to this um <laughs> i would say it gets worse with age and cocaine 
Um, except Probably. that go back and watch a few good men, and then keep in your mind that Demi Moore outranks Tom Cruise. Yep. And yep. like try to watch that movie because it's it's real rough. Now, as a at this time former service person, I am. I'm a inter. I'm I'm between services. Yes. <laughs> at the moment. So it, if it, as you outranked, I'm sure many people that you worked with. I did most. I if was very very important in the military. As as an admiral in the army or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, yep, I had the biggest <laughs> boat in the army. I'm sure that when people who were ranked below you talk to you like Tom Cruise talks to Demi Moore, um, that went over well. Yeah, I'd just be like, I don't want this guy in my fucking case anymore. Like, no more. Get him off my case. I don't like. I, and by case, I mean legal case, not like right. you know he's in my face. Like, I would just be like, he's fired. Like Tom Cruise in that movie is a new attorney who's only ever pled out. Like, his whole thing is that he, he does guilty pleas all the time. So this is his first contested case. He's been a lawyer for like, nine months. Yeah, and he's like, shut up, bitch, I got ideas. Like, I just cannot. It, well, and we're going to do a quick sidebar here on A Few Good Men, uh, Legal Corner with Cole and Aaron. So when I first saw the movie, I wasn't a lawyer. I was like 12. Yeah, nor I. I was also, well, if you were 12, I was eight. So, so And it was like, oh my God, like, this is such a good movie, which it still is a really good movie. But they say, like, yeah. uh, you got to hire Kathy over here. I mean, he's the most successful litigator in our office. Successfully yeah. food bargain, 44 cases in nine months. And I'm like, that's just being a lawyer. Yeah. Like, now I know, like, okay, yeah, you, you put out 44 cases over the course of almost a year. That's about right. That's probably low for, a, uh, like, a, either a public defender or, well, I assume he had to be a defender. Obviously yeah. In the, yeah, everybody. Well, the they're, Navy, they're so. public defenders. Yeah. Right. So it's like as a public defender, like you're pleading out 44 cases. That seems low. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many cases they had in their jurisdiction, but it did seem like he had never done a trial before. Right. Yeah. It's like you've not, been a lawyer for less than like, a year. This is, yeah. I don't think he'd been a lawyer very long. Yeah. It was very uh, weird that he was brought in as like the ringer. Right. And also for when we do the episode on A Few Good Men with you and me, um, <laughs> like a little bit, like a little bit, hashtag Team Jessup, like a little bit, like I'm I'm pro Colonel Jessup. Wow. Wow. So. Throwing heaters at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, that it's a hot the, take, but. Uh, the, the hero yeah. of A Few Good Men is Colonel Nathan Jessup. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I said I'm not like. Full, he did murder a kid. I there was a yep. murder, um, but you know, like kind of, kind of a little bit team Jessup in that I hate Tom Cruise in that movie, <laughs> and he does but, need to shut he, up. But Tom Cruise is saved a little bit by Lieutenant Weinberg, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Also, not the last time we're going to talk about Kevin Pollock today. Yeah. So also, can you imagine a world? This is this is a this is the first two hours of four hour podcast, and we're not going to talk about the movie. Right. Can you imagine right. a world where Kevin Pollock at that age, which I would say forty is a lieutenant, which is the beginning of his career. So he decided at 40 he was going to just join join the military as well, lieutenant. Don't they, have a, don't they have a cutoff for JAG at like 35 you can't join or something I like that? I think so. I don't know. I, I think you need a waiver after 35. Anyway, I just, I just good think it's maybe, so maybe funny. Maybe he finally said, so, I want to serve my country. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Congratulations to him. Maybe he's a reservist. I don't know. I don't know his life. I don't know his life. Okay. <laughs> All right. So... The, the thing, though, with Aaron Sorkin and 
the sexism and the paternalism and all that stuff. And the reason I think that it happens, and I'm not trying to give him an excuse, I'm really curious what you think of this, is he also recycles a lot of storylines and phrases like in this. And it's a phrase that I love and I sort of try to avoid using because I don't want to be considered somebody who plagiarizes all the time. But I love the phrase passing understanding. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. for reasons passing understanding, like that is a beautiful phrase yeah and he uses that in i think everything he's ever written but he also uses these storylines that i think he tries to get right i think he does it once he's like ah, it didn't quite work mm-hmm. and so he does it again and didn't quite work and i mean you see that just with his three tv shows or yeah. four tv shows all four of his tv shows are behind the scenes shows right but i also kind of feel like he will do a storyline and then he will think he didn't quite get it right and then he'll polish it up for the next one and polish it up for the next one And by the time it's the newsroom, it's a fucking turd because it's like so they're like they're they're beating you over the head with like, do you get it now? Do you understand what this is? It's like, yeah, I got it. I got it when it was nuanced 15 years ago. (laughs) I definitely get it now that you're shouting it at me, Aaron. Right. So I don't I don't know. I like that he I like some of these storylines that he recycles over and over and over again, or Mm -hmm. concepts or phrases. I like some of them. So sometimes they feel like a warm, cozy blanket that I'm like, "Mm, I'm in Sorkin land. Um, But some of them just get more and more, I don't know what the right word is, like obvious and in your face as, as they go along. And I feel like maybe he hit the sweet spot the second time he tried it instead of the fifth. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I think particularly he doesn't want to tear down the framework of the original storyline that may be the actual yeah. problem. You know, I, I still watch everything. Everything he does. I, I watch like I liked mm-hmm. Molly's game a lot. And, you know, he's going to be a director now, too. So I thought he did a decent job with uh, directing Molly's game. Didn't unearth any new style, but yeah. stuck to the basics. And I thought it worked. But anyway, in this, he's still pretty young. And I think, too, that plays to your point of you know, hasn't reworked or massaged no. any new things yet because this is this is his baby. So let's get to the cast real quick because uh, a lot of really good bit players. I mean, you've got you've got a couple of stars, which is a ton of really good character actors. You got Michael Douglas as Andrew Shepard. You got Annette Benning as Sidney Ellen Wade. Martin Sheen as A.J. McInerney. And Richard <laughs> Dreyfuss as Bob Rumson. It's kind of our, there's our star power. There's only one Bob Rumson in the world, and it's Richard Dreyfuss. Perfectly cast. <laughs> It's beginning to look a lot the like, way he says uh, I, I love to drive this in this movie the president's got a girl <laughs> big glasses yeah so and then you got michael j fox who like lobbied hard to get in this movie and he's perfect uh, in it he's very oh, so good. good yeah every time i see like we've done back to the future on this and uh jed's like favorite actor of all times michael j fox i look back at all this old work that he did he was so good like, he was just a really, mm-hmm. really good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, we had yeah. uh, Anne Devere Smith as Robin McCall, who's great. Yes. David Paymer as Leon Kodak. I miss David Paymer. Like, he needs to come back. Please, wherever you are, David. <laughs> we're ready if you're for listening. <laughs> uh, then we got Shauna Waldron as Lucy Shepard and John Mahoney as Leo Solomon. Yes. Uh, Wendy Malick's in there. Josh Molina's in there. Some of these people have like four lines, but they're hanging out. They're auditioning yeah. for future Aaron Sorkin pieces, really. 
like Josh Molina is in there, and he's a friend of Aaron Sorkin, so I think he probably got this role maybe a little bit of that. And he's good, like he does he's what he good. needs to do. But he's kind of a famous actor now. Yeah, he's a semi-famous. And actor. like in this movie, he's going, "Gee, Sid, you got a big day tonight." Like that's what he's there <laughs> yes. to do. Like there's nothing. Yeah, guy, guy was on Broadway, and he's brought in. And that's another thing I do like about Aaron Sorkin projects is he's really sort of strict about who he wants to be in roles. And he gets these really good like stage actors and he always has great people mm-hmm. who work with him. And you'll see this Sorkin tree that people who are in A Few Good Men, people who are in American President right at the beginning show up all over West Wing, all over Newsroom, all over yep. everything he's in. You know, he's just got this core group that he plays from. I mean, I didn't realize until I was watching it last night that Beth Wade, Sydney's sister, mm-hmm. is Ellie Bartlett in The West oh Wing. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Yeah. I was looking at her and I was just like, because I really wanted to talk about her general aesthetic in this film. It's weird. Um, Slick. It is a little wet. Yeah. The 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 flannels. Yeah, but like her are... hair is always like wet. What is that? <laughs> I feel like her backstory is she's like an assassin. Maybe. Yeah. And then she just comes. She's like, how do I cover this up? A lot of flannel. Yeah. A lot of turtlenecks. A lot of salads with Pinot Grigio. <laughs> she's I'm very Russian fix, from the neck up. So I kind under- of understand that. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Tom Barry, who's the Secret Service agent, who's like, I know who Frank Capra is. Um, <laughs> you know, he played Congressman Mark Richardson. I did not make that in, connection. Uh, West Wing. Yeah, he's a leader of the Congressional Black Caucus. You obviously have Josh Molina. You got Martin Sheen. You just have a bunch mm-hmm. of people that when he falls in love with you, he wants to reuse you. So we're going to get into, though, do you think we should do it now or should we hold huh? off on it? Probably hold off on recasting the movie, right? Yeah, let's recast at the end. Okay, yeah. We're going we're gonna to give you the definitive 2019 cast of the american president reboot yes so any other casting oh i want to give you a, i forgot about this so i read last night this also fucking blew my mind was three people were supposed to be andrew shepherd before michael douglas oh my god first one was robert redford whoa all right okay and he was gonna do it and apparently he had a falling out with rob reiner and i read all of this on the internet so it's very true God, I would pay so much money to see a fight between Robert Redford and Rob Reiner. God. And he, he was like, there's not enough romance, there's too much politics. I want more romance. I mean, that is that is something is, Robert Redford would want. Yep, more but I also, think, I also think that's a bad note, but whatever. I also think they were probably politics that he didn't particularly like. I don't know. Right. We'll see. Then there were, this was before Aaron Sorkin sort of was brought aboard to develop this idea and flesh out the script. Hmm. that President Shepard was like a former serviceman special ops guy. Blah. And Blah. Two, I read two names that were supposed to be Shepard. Oh, my God. Bruce Willie. No. And this one might end the podcast. Your head is going to explode, and I, I hate to witness that. Steven Seagal. No! <laughs> Steven Seagal? Which, I that cannot be true. Like... <laughs> Jefferson Parish police officer and known sex trafficker Steven Seagal? Is he coming on? Probably not. Steven Seagal will not be making an appearance on this podcast. I'm sorry. Because of uh, how he had those two underage Russian women like chained up in his basement in Jefferson Parish or Yeah, that that's that feels like the moral reason why. Definitely. They weren't chained Uh, up. They were there for willingly, I think, but it was awkward. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) We'll talk about that a different time. Is he is he that why he got that Russian medal or whatever? Oh god, did he get a Russian medal? I think so. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I don't hit the Seagal message boards as much Man, as I used to. Cut this, Jed. We don't want to get sued. Anyways. I love the, I love the idea that we're going to record this episode and I'm going to send it to Jed like, why don't you cut that up? Isn't that what you do? <laughs> no. 
Okay. So anyway, that those were the only sort of casting could have beens that uh, I ran into. So any other backstory, how it was made, you want to get into? Nope. All right. I'm Andrew Shepard, and I am the president. Yeah, I'm the president. <laughs> what would happen if I called Sydney Wade and asked her to be my date at the state dinner on Thursday evening? President, you can't just go out on a date. I'm having dinner at the White House. I'm having lunch at the Kremlin. I don't know what happened. One minute I was calling him a mockery of an environmental leader. The next minute I had a date. She didn't say anything about me. Well, no, sir, but I can... Pass her a note before study hall. Would you like to dance? Yeah, I guess. I mean, yes, sir. I'd love to. Never mind that she is the hired gun of an ultra-liberal political action committee. And never mind that his 12-year-old daughter is sleeping down the hall. Lucy, are you okay with this? My having dinner with a lady? Dad, it's cool. Just go for it. and I'm running for president. In the past seven weeks, 59% of the country has begun to question your family values. This poll doesn't talk about my presidency. This poll talks about my life. I I gotta nip this in the bud. This has catastrophe written all over it. Sydney, the man is the leader of the free world. He's brilliant, he's funny, he's an above average dancer. Isn't it possible our standards are just a tad high? Do you think there'll ever be a time when you can stand in a room with me and not think of me as the president? I am excited to see this movie. Let's go. Let's go watch it. You would like to pay three ninety nine again to rent this movie. I would, or five ninety nine yes. at Morton Cinema. Wow, blast from the past, <laughs> little Jay. If you're listening, what's up, like, brother? You looked so like deeply into the past just now. <laughs> I know it's wow, wow. Um, okay, so this starts out. I think really warm, and the score is kind of the first thing that hits me in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they do a whole like intro where they're like panning over other presidents, which I felt like is a kind of an right. odd choice, but I was down for it. It's like history, America, presidents, and, like, the, <laughs> but I, like it's a romance movie, so it's kind of like it's like panning over a portrait portrait of like Eisenhower and like like all these different like there's right. a George Washington and it's like presidents, they fucked like it's very weird <laughs> like, <laughs> to me. <laughs> What I I would have loved it if they just like started from way out and zoomed in on because he got married in office. <laughs> that sex pot Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, but I, I who I just I just learned a couple days ago, Edith Galt refused his first proposal. Really? Aww. Yeah, I'm reading a really boring book, but that came up. Yeah, I do love the title sequence though. I love the font. Like that's just awesome fucking font. Yeah, and it puts it puts the uh, score in the driver's seat right from the beginning yeah. um, because you don't care about a portrait of George Washington that you've seen a thousand times. So you're listening, right. not watching. 
and what I love too is all I was thinking was like, so is this like about American politics? Exactly. I, I just, I, again, I think everybody who listens to the show knows I love a good title sequence that does something. And this is one of those. And we get the appearance of the president. And can I just say that goddamn hair? That I, is presidential hair. I liked his hair in this movie. Oh, in his fact, hair is spectacular. I wrote down my cast list before I watched it last night. And then I had to cross like four people off because I'm like, this is the hair. So if you don't have this hair, you cannot do this role. I'm sorry. I, I cannot wait to do the casting because it was so hard. It was it's fucking very impossible. difficult. Anyway, yes, he has outstanding hair. Yeah. And what I love about the walk and talk, which you can't sort of talk about Sorkin without talking about this. He didn't invent it like it had been done before the long shot, but he just sort of weaponized it and did it probably the best mm-hmm. that I've seen it. And the fastest. Is, oh, and that's the that's the element like that right there is the idea that we can get so much exposition done so quickly and it feels natural. You know, when he's when he's talking mm-hmm. to Janie, Lewis is upset about something he did last night. OK, mm-hmm. so I know Lewis is going to be a high strung right. guy. He seems to really care about the people that work in his building, but not so much that it's not believable like she reminds him the name of somebody and she reminds him of this person's birthday. And you get all the important things like, yeah, handguns is the issue. The polls are up. Lewis is annoying. Like, you know, you know, all the characters and you know, all the issues right off. Yeah. And we're what? Two minutes in, not even. Yeah. Uh, And I think a lot of, a lot of movies do a five minute scene on each one of those things. You're like, okay, don't need it. Yeah. We're rolling. And, this movie, I think its pacing is probably one of its greatest attributes. Is, yeah. Even though it's two hours, I mean, there's just, they don't rest on anything. And I think what I like about it is there's really two storylines going on. You do have the romance, but you do have the politics. Right. By not resting on either one too long, I don't think you get bored with it. Right. You know, it doesn't get overwrought anyway. But this is the first time I ever heard passing understanding. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand it the first time. You only had a passing understanding of passing understanding <laughs> at the beginning, the first time. I, that's the greatest thing you've ever said. That's the greatest thing I've ever said. That's the greatest thing. That's the greatest thing, thing you've the ever said. That's the greatest thing I've ever mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Wow. You just, yes. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. Well, it's all downhill from here. That was a compliment, by the way. Was you it? You didn't take it as that way. Eh, but that was I feel like it was an insult to everything else I've ever said, but that's fine. That's how I'm going to take it. So how you meant it doesn't really matter. Anyway, what were we talking about? If you guys wanted to know anything about our friendship, there it was. There it was. <laughs> that was it. That was the <laughs> whole deal. The last uh, 15 years or whatever. Um, (laughs) So we get... Longer. Oh, God. Like 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're getting old. It's okay. We're getting getting really old. So what I love was, you know, Janie's in there and she's running the show. Uh, We get Mrs. Chapel, which is obviously an early version of Mrs. Landingham. And there's no way to get around the fact that this is a dry run for the Westworld. Yes. Like every inch of it. 100%. But... Then we get Robin McCall come in, and she's witty, and she's funny, and then she says this. President, your cousin should have come down with the flu and won't be able to join you Thursday night. I'm sorry to hear that. Remind me to give her a call later today. Yes, sir. You gonna go stag? It's not a problem. No, we've never gone wrong parading you around as the lonely widower. Okay, are, are you really gonna make the lonely widower joke? Oh, yeah. Whoa. Like, whoa, that comes out of nowhere. I just can't possibly imagine that you say that no (laughs) like even and she doesn't even if you watch it she doesn't even trip on it until like janie's like (laughs) (laughs) and she's like oh my god sir i forgot you were here mr president it was it was i mean i'm talking to you and stuff you know i feel like i could have believed it from another character but not her 
I did the same way. I feel like this is something Lewis would say. Maybe. Or even like a random dude in the room. Like, I feel like you could have pulled in just like a random person that's not a character yep. ever again. And then have everybody you like be like, the fuck? Get out of here. You know, yeah. like. I just, it's it's one of those lines that I'm glad it got said because, again, that gives you all the information you need to know about his marriage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't have to deal with like, oh, a divorce. There's going to be a, yeah. there's going to be maybe an upset ex or whatever. Like You don't have like a scene of him like staring at her picture and like, like we know, like right. your wife dies, it's hard. Like the, the movie doesn't beat you over the head with it, which is kind of nice. Right. I just didn't buy that coming from Robin. <laughs> No, it, just, me neither. it makes no sense to me that she would say that. But it's a perfect but, film, so it is what it is. Right, right, exactly. In that flaw, it's flawless. Yes, Understood. yes. Aaron Sorkin, ineffable. So, um, oh. all right. Then we go over to Sydney, right? We meet Susan. They, well, they have that that little meeting uh-huh. in the in the Oval where they're like, "We're okay. Job number one's a crime bill. We're at sixty three percent. We meet Leon Kodak. Yeah. Um, you know, he's weird." Weird stats guy. Okay. I could have, I would have believed that line from Leon Kodak. Like there's <laughs> myriad people in the room that could have said that line. Anyway. Um, yeah. Crime. But, that, but also but that's when we learned that the crime bill is important. Lewis is pissed off that they're pulling the handguns. Yeah. Yeah. Lewis, hero of the movie. Yeah. Big time. Once handguns yeah. in the crime bill. But once, that's not once gonna... there to be some gun control in the gun bill. That's, yeah. that's his whole, like his whole deal. But that's not going to pass. So they got to pull it. And then also the uh environmentalists are bringing in some kind of like ringer to like do the fossil fuels bill and she's a pitbull lobbyist for the environment well what i love is that they're like uh lewis is all over it and like did you see that letter jesus christ i want to see that letter (laughs) like they make such a big deal like aside from like the only thing i can imagine that letter saying is like mr president from the office of the global defense council Blah, 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 blah. We strongly urge this because of these reasons, we strongly urge that this bill be with a 20% re- uh, reduction because anything less than that is really not doing anything to address the issues that we're facing. Yeah. They make it sound like that letter is like, Mr. President, I just want to tell you right now that if you don't put 20%, I'm going to kidnap your daughter. And I'm going <laughs> to jam fossil fuels up your fucking ass. <laughs> like, it is crazy. Did, did you see that letter? This letter. <laughs> so offensive. I'm hurt. Yeah. I honestly, and then AJ's like, I'm on the phone with these people all the goddamn time. I don't know what they want. And Lewis is like, he dipshit. They want 20%. It's really yeah. not. It's pretty simple. They've laid it out. This Did is... you see the letter? Yeah. I mean, come on. So we, we sort of get everybody's personality. Mm-hmm. And, and I really enjoy that. And like you said, they say, hey, we got this hired gun. And then we cut over to meeting Sydney. Yes. Um, and maybe more importantly, Susan. What is the deal with Susan? Or maybe. I'm going to hold up my pad. What is the Hold deal with Winnie Malik? What's up? I know you can't read it. But I can't. This says, why does Susan have to suck so much? What is Susan? <laughs> like, why? And the thing is, it's not that she's an unbelievable character, because, like, I feel like I know Susan, and so do you. We don't like her, oh, but yeah. we do know her out no. in the world. What is this woman? Like, I just, I don't have any commentary about it that could help illuminate it for the listener. I just want to throw it out there that I, she's the worst. What I don't get is this, and I think it it plays a little bit to the stereotype of women working hard don't want, like, don't like other women or something like that. And And have to be, like, very severe all the time. Yeah. And unless Sydney's coming in, it's like, it's not like she got fired. No. It's like, we're, we're going to, this, this woman doesn't know jack about the environmental lobby. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's not what I'm hiring her for. 
no yeah like i'm i'm hiring her to gather votes yes That's, she's she's gonna be our our whip yeah. let's do that and like, yeah she's, like, she's oh. never even been on a hike or anything jesus i'll bet i'll bet she just spills oil into the potomac for yeah, fun yeah, god damn it so we get this like unnecessarily angry susan but i do like that they introduce the idea of sydney ellen wade and how great she is without having her standing right there yes so we then like our first time we see her she, okay she's so cute in this movie she's like the <laughs> cutest person ever wait like, okay listen you've skipped two very important scenes i'm sorry I'm one sorry. is lucy playing the trombone oh the we gotta talk daughter about that. plays the trombone mm-hmm. it's very cute um he is like oh my god that's beautiful lucy what is that and she's like scales and then he like gives her a book and he, she he like is gonna make her read it and she's like oh i have to report over it uh, on di- at dinner and he's like yeah um it's very very cute he's forcing her to read history and he's a good dad <laughs> that's all i have to say he's a good dad it's well, a great you're dad. missing the most you're missing the most important part about that scene the end yeah yeah where she like can't do a fucking scale but then as he leaves she, the room she's like she fucking rips off like a jazz riff of hail to the chief yeah and yeah. you're just like what what maybe that's the first thing she learned because she's the president's daughter maybe i don't know <laughs> I then just, it was and it's very cute yeah but you're just like i what you oh god damn it lucy this is just there to show you that Andy Shepard is a good dad. Then we see him with his BFF, AJ, walking around. And I don't remember the whole conversation. But at the end, he's like, hey, AJ, we've been friends for 25 years. When we're not at work, you can call me Andy. And AJ's like, Mr. President, I'm not ever going to call you Andy. So we find out that like his chief of staff and him go way back a long time. So later when he says, fuck you and throws a pool cue at him, (laughs) um, it, it has a lot of meaning spoilers yeah uh-huh. jeez now this they're just gonna turn it from off 1995 if they haven't turned it off already they're not going to okay that's also <laughs> true um so i do want to say one other thing about lucy this was shauna waldron who had a really great start to her career she did she was the icebox in one of my I was favorite, just about to say, yeah. favorite movies little giants mm-hmm. and you know who her love interest in that was right no devin sawa <laughs> <laughs> wait devin sawa was little giants Devin Sawa was Little Giants. He was I like... I don't remember that. This, this, I remember the his... Snot Bubble Kid. Remember him? Obviously. I think that's his name. Um, did you know that he competed in speech and forensics with me? The Snot I, Bubble Kid from that, Little Giants. You have told me this 35 times. Yes. And every time you tell it to me, I'm like, I but still can't believe it. I haven't told you this in like 10 years. So... Mm-hmm. Um, but wasn't... Uh, wasn't... There was another kid from like Mighty Ducks, I thought, that was in speech too. Ooh, maybe. The redheaded kid from Mighty Ducks? <sighs> I don't remember. I only remember the snot yeah. bubble kid from Little Giants. Yeah. Don't know so, his name, don't care what it is. Um, but you yeah. You should have talked to him more. He could have hooked you up with Devin Sawa. <laughs> yeah. I don't think 2019 Devin Sawa is uh, a catch. I'm happy with what I've got. <laughs> I have a feeling he's on the downhill. David, I know you're not listening. She's right, by the way. She's right. <laughs> It was awesome to get to finally meet him, by the way, as a complete quick aside. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. And he's better than Devin Sawa. <laughs> he was better than Devin Sawa. You heard it here first. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. So, I just pulled up a picture of 2019 Devin Sawa, and I am doing better. Yep. Yep. Yes, you are. Although, really good Twitter follow. Yeah, really? This is a heads up. Yeah. Well, really good. 
I did love Wild America. Uh, the uh, yeah, so we we get established that they're best friends and everything, and then we get to I'm sorry, jumping to because we were we were talking about Susan, and as crappy as she is in the office, why is she so shitty when they're at the White House? <laughs> She's just, what the fuck? She vacillates between being like very severe and then just like very weird and like meek. I don't understand and what really confuses me is from like the moment they get there and i was really glad that i had jesse working or watching this with me because i wouldn't have caught on to this so they get to the outer gate right and i do love that she's like hi i'm sydney ellen wade i'm here with a meeting he doesn't care i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to capture the caparas qualities and it's like okay first of all these people that are at these gates are secret service agents yes okay frank capra famous guy yeah okay Maybe he doesn't know what Capra means, but you know what he does need to know? He probably mm. needs to know your name. Yes. Yes. And he probably needs to. And she's like, I'm here for a meeting with AJ McInerney. He doesn't probably, need to know that. No. Probably does. Yeah. Yeah. Probably he probably does want to know why you're there. Okay. Yeah. And, Je- and Jess is like, because Jess uh, was an intern at the White House and she was like, okay, so they've got their A badge. There's going to be two levels of security they have to go through. Like, you're going to have to tell people why the fuck you're at the White House. Yeah. And she was like, she's like, this is like. This is a fucking secret service agent. You're not going to talk to him like that. Like, you're not going to fucking do that. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. You you don't say, and like, she's, she's a, honestly, just a human being. If somebody's like, oh my gosh, it's so Capra-esque. And somebody's like, he doesn't know who Frank Capra is. As if he's A, not there. And B, right. like, assuming he doesn't know this thing, which he might not. But basically, it's just like, don't say big words. He's stupid, Sydney. He's stupid. He, he only works at the front gate to apparently, like, yeah. uh, Burger King. Like, what yeah. the fuck? The White House is behind him. Okay? Well, and also, this is the only way job. he exists. He exists here and nowhere else. He has no life, no interests, yes. um, nothing else. He is this. Right. This is what he is. What she um, didn't know is that that was Congressman Mark uh, Richardson. Future Congressman, yeah. Um, so, eat it, Susan. Also, the only black man in the movie? <laughs> Which is also yeah. not a good look. Yeah, yeah, I did notice it. We're, I was going to get to that a little later, but uh, since you brought it up, very white man, like, <laughs> yes. but like, like, really sticks out. For also Susan to be like, this guy doesn't know who Frank Capra is, and have that be mm. the only black man in the movie, yeah. is a little awkward, a little awkward. Not a good yeah. look for Susan. It, it, it was very much a, do you think he, yeah. come on. Come on now, come on now. But, but then so he does, and think... he he's a very warm and nice and smart man. And wonderful person yeah <laughs> because and he remembered everything that... she said <laughs> it was very cute i i will say too that in a lot of sorkin projects i think he i think he likes to have everybody no matter who they are be intelligent or yes. more intelligent than what a stereotype would make you think that they were and when somebody uh, appears stupid in one of his things they will circle back and prove that they're smart at some point in time right. or they'll put a really dumb person in a person of power yeah and be like look how ridiculous it is that this fucking person but i i honestly think even the, even those characters do circle back and become competent at something like a surprising oh, yeah. thing or they'll like surprise you with their generosity or so, like there is there will be something good at the tail end of every character that's fair. That's fair. So, All right. Again, we, we thought her suckiness would stop at the game. No, it does no, not. No, no, no. It increases. Now, it becomes weird. I, it becomes weird and like awkward and meek. And when they're okay. So let me see if I got this straight. Yes. You do you think the purpose of that meeting was to convince AJ McInerney to suggest to the president that he needs to send 455 to the Hill with a 20% reduction? 
I feel like this is a trick question, but yes. No, I, no. I do I'm, believe I, that no, was I, the purpose I, of the meeting. No. Yeah, no, it's not a trick question. Okay, I'm just, yeah, I'm like, yes, that's... I, you've, very well articulated the purpose of the meeting. I yes. Okay. No. Th- th- I promise none of this is a trick. Okay. I just I look at it and I'm like, okay. So Sydney and Susan are like on the same team to accomplish that, right? <laughs> you would think so. You would think so. So so at the table, why is Susan like this fucking lady hasn't even read the report of the Quebec <laughs> conference? She doesn't know shit. This is like, are you kidding me? You're good. The, this little one right here, you just ignore what the fuck she's saying. All right, well, like. I, I kind of thought that I my thought of Susan in that scene was that she wanted it to be more of an introductory meeting and she felt that Sydney was going way too hard, way too fast and making mistakes and being like, you will do this for us. And so she was trying to back off and be like, hey, guys, um, we're just we're just here to say hey and like don't it's not we're not going okay. in guns blazing which is weird for her because i feel like she's a very guns blazing person in the first two scenes and then in this one she was like let's let's back off here pump the brakes a little bit sydney um i thought that's where she was going but it's also dumb i, I mean she's the one who sent the letter to the president saying i'm going to re-murder your wife that's like, what i'm <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> like she's like, really I, just... severe in some points and then really meek in other points i don't understand and then to try and point out that your colleague is dumb. <laughs> Remurder your wife. Like, yeah, she's the worst. It was, I feel like, too, like they clearly did not have like a strategy sesh. No, um, no, because she probably like... refused to speak to her. She's like, I'm not talking to that bitch before the meeting. Like, I'll meet you at the fucking gate. Okay, if I you can find it, Susan? moron. Oh, yeah, I did a good job. All right. <laughs> oh, you cast <laughs> had to Susan? check back. Yeah. You didn't cast oh. a Susan? No, I sent you. Well, I can. I will. I will. I just thought you were like, here are I the mean, roles I cast. And then there were 15 names. So I was like, oh, the whole movie. Okay. And then I never looked at it again. So <laughs> that's good to know about my text. Is you're like, oh, there's eight words. I'll read the first three. If it's I'm long, sorry. I'm going to skim it. That's true of law books. That's true no, of look, briefs. Look, that's you, true. You are, <laughs> you are an internationally famous <laughs> podcast star. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to change your verbiage from your show to my show. Oh, thank you. So I know you don't skim shit. Uh, herbs did. Uh, herbs did. There we go. Which is what we okay. call skimming. We do. We do, uh, we do have some HBs who listen to the show, and we love all of you. And I just want them to get you know. Just you just know that this text to... was so long that our herbs did the text. Okay, that's how long the text was. Okay, all right, we've got to move I on. Meant, We're in I like meant... the second scene. We, we, well, it starts to go faster. It really does. The, the setup of the movie it goes quickly, but there's so much information. In the first, like, 40 minutes. That is true. Um, so Sydney Ellen Wade is going off on her thing. She does some of the best rants in the history of movies. She's, oh like, off on her rant. She's going, she's going, she's going. And she does not know, but the the president comes in behind her, which is a very West Wing. This, ve- this is very Sorkin-esque. So yeah. the president's behind her, and she calls him the chief executive of Fantasyland, which is pretty much the worst thing you can say about a president. Hey. And can we can we hear what he says? Because he delivers this so perfectly. Yes. If he honestly thinks that the environmental community is going to whistle a happy tune while rallying support around this pitifully lame mockery of environmental leadership just because he's a nice guy and he's done better than his predecessors, then your boss is the chief executive of Fantasyland. Let's take him out back and beat the shit out of him. Let's take him out back and beat him up. <laughs> it's so good. Not just the way he says beat the shit, I'm like... <laughs> I feel like Andy Shepard's been in some fights. Uh huh. <laughs> Which is different and um, a little bit less 
Yeah, yes, I do feel like Andy Shepard has been in some fights. But, like, when he redoes this scene for the West Wing, the line is, I am the Lord, your God. (laughs) (laughs) Again, my point of, like, when he redoes scenes, they just get a little more heavy-handed every time. Sometimes a lot more. We're gonna. I'm gonna play that right now too, just so everyone can compare. Then what's the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt worship no other god before me. <laughs> oh my God, that's one of my favorite scenes of the end of the first uh, episode. That's the first episode. I am the Lord your God. That is the first time you see Martin Sheen in the West Wing. Yeah, actually, yeah, because they walk around and talk <laughs> about the president for like the first thirty minutes of the first episode, and you don't know who he is. I also dig that in that episode, they the people who are on the religious right don't know the commandments. Like that. Okay. Nah, I. They, the, they probably know the commandment. There's <laughs> probably no. But anyway, um, anyway, anyway. So he says, "Hey, Sydney, would you mind uh, taking a moment alone with me and going into the Oval Office?" So based on lines later in this movie, where he says that as a lobbyist, she would never be in a room alone with the president. We know that Andy Shepard is already ready to mac on Sydney. Oh Emily. God, yeah, yeah. Now the entire purpose of her going into the Oval Office is to to get some. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this last night. Obviously, it, this is a, a romantic comedy and a political sort of not thriller, but like a political film. But <laughs> <For real. laughs> can you imagine? Well. The, his wife is getting threatened to be murdered. Like, there's a thriller. Get out element. of DuPont Circle. <laughs> but, Escape but anyway. from DuPont. That's that's the sequel. Yeah. That was the straight-to-video Roadhouse 2 John Sheck sequel to The American Put President. Put a pin in that, because I have a problem with their characterization of DuPont Circle <laughs> as well. <clears throat> anyway. But we're going through, and he does this like, okay, like you said, let's go meet in the Oval Office. I haven't talked a lot about the direction of the movie, because I think it's pretty pedestrian, honestly. I don't think you had to direct much of the movie. It's very beautiful. It's well lit. The Oval Office brings its own magnitude to Mm -hmm. a scene, so you don't have to do anything to enhance it, things like that. But this is like one of the iconic scenes that he puts together is at the beginning of the movie, they're on the Oval Office, and they're on opposite sides of the room. Mm -hmm. And there's this wide shot of the distance between them that needs to be crossed. Are you saying this is a metaphor? No. Okay, keep going. Yeah, good. I would never say that. It's a simile. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, keep going. So I do like that visual, like at least, you know, they, were, they put some thought into it. There's not mm-hmm. a lot hidden there, but it is a nice looking scene, particularly because what's in the background is the Oval Office, the Resolute Desk, things like that. Mm-hmm. I want to know, though, I mean, this is like a shitty, shady fucking thing for him to do. Yeah, it is. It really is. Like, but it's also like I, a, a power move that I enjoyed. <laughs> no, I figured this is what I wanted to ask you, because... Like, this felt like something that you were going to be like, yeah, but I'm good with it. Well, here's, I am good with it. I mean, the sexy president, once you go into the Oval Office, actually, I'm going to write down another recommendation for the end here. It's a book. <laughs> um, is it called The Sexy President Asks You to Go Into the Oval uh, Office? It is a menage between the president, the vice president, and the first lady, and it's very good. I don't know if your <laughs> listeners are ready. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, he invites her in, but then... They pretty much talk business. At least she talks business yeah. at him for a long time. It's like, this is why we need our 20%. I should not play Sunil and Wade in the reboot. No, like. no, you did not. Honestly, you did not make my cast list. <laughs> this is how I argue in court, too. This is why we need this. But she's like very, very in his face. And then he's kind of like, 
hey, I was wondering, I'm pretty hungry. Are you hungry? You want to get a donut or something? Which is a very, it's not like a bend over the desk sort of a, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, He's not, not like, hey, I'm into you. Let's do this. He's like, do you want to get a right. donut? Which I feel like is pretty um, soft in terms of, hey, are you interested in me? And right. she's confused by that and then just keeps talking about fossil fuels and he does not stop her. You know, so I feel like inviting her into the Oval Office was a power move, but then he did nothing in there to try to push her one way or the other, if that makes sense. Well, and I think, yeah, and I think too, like, it, it's definitely sort of a shady thing to say, bring her in here. But that's also, I think he knows the only room yes. where I can be in that no one else is going to be around. Like, I right. can't, and, and I can't take her to the residence. That's insane. But, <laughs> yes. But yeah, and, and the whole like cute conversation, and this is where I think he's, he even says it later in the movie, like I patronized her, she, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. she called me on it. And I like that where he was like, do you understand that this is like the biggest home field advantage? And, mm-hmm. you know, let me teach you a little something about how Washington DC was designed. And she's like, okay, like, don't let my stilted beginning, you know, diminish the weight of my message. Right. And see, I've, I've got a lot of this memorized. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, I also shouldn't play Sidney Ellen Wade in the revival. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, like that she's like no just fucking listen to me like I'm mm-hmm. here for a purpose and I love that yeah um, I also love that green this, suit and so did he because it clips <laughs> back to him and he's like oh my gosh she doesn't want to have donuts with me she just wants to yell at me she looks like this just adorable intelligent Christmas tree it's fantastic she, yeah, and, yeah because she's wearing a green suit and orange lipstick and has the reddest hair you've ever seen in your life um, she mm-hmm. does look a Christmas tree, but also like he really enjoys being yelled at by her. And I also really enjoy that about his character. Yeah. It's like, oh, every time, every time she's lighting him up in the entire movie, he's just like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh, mm-hmm. I'm down for this. I get this. And Annette Benning does such a good job at being extremely flustered and also extremely articulate at the same time, which yes. I, I thought was very good. I like that her comfort zone, like her, her neutral is being brilliant. So then she does her whole speech and she's like all right, this is what I'm going to do. We need 24. Oh, he, he cuts our deal. That's like, if you get 24 boats on your fossil fuel bill, I will put the weight of the white house behind it. And she's like, okay, do I have your word on that? And he's like, yeah, I just said it. And I'm the president. And she's like, okay, all right. And then like gives another speech. And then she starts to walk out the wrong door. And he's like, you can't do that, Sydney. And she's like, I can do that. And this is why. And he's like, no, because that door goes to it. The Secret Service will tackle you. It's my well, private office. Can, I, can we do a uh, quick politics aside? Yes. He's like, Sydney, it won't pass at 20%. It's a long shot at 10. Mm-hmm. At 20%, it's 34 votes shy in the House. Like, mm-hmm. They did a whip count at 20% on a bill they were never going to do? I I don't know. Yes, like, I guess. Yeah. Like, like I just It just made no sense to me that they were like, we're never going to put this bill up. Can we please get a whip count real quick? <laughs> Just on what that imaginary guess, bill would be. I was thinking he was like guesstimating, but you're right. It was extremely, extremely well, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, specific. precise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, bumped on that. Like there, there's some politics things in this that I bump on, but that are sort of necessary leaps of faith yeah. in order to kind of keep everything going along. Well, is the deal that so, yeah. she gets 24 and he gets her the other 10? Yeah, he's like, I will That's I, I will give ahead. you 10 and you get 24, which yeah. I think is really funny because it's like you're at this point 63%. My guess is you can get 34. My yeah. guess is that that's possible. Yeah. So yeah, they make this deal. Everybody's thrilled. Um, and then this is the point where we see Sydney at home, right? Yes. In the worst pajamas, soaking wet, soaking wet. Her hair is so wet. No makeup. And I think she has a cold. Yeah, she does have a cold. Hey, listen, <laughs> um, let's do this segment about 
Annette Benning's hair in this movie. It Love is... to. I'm ready. Perfect? Epic? It is the worst hair I've ever <laughs> seen in a romantic comedy. It is so bad. It is so bad. Sometimes it's spiky. Sometimes it's slicked back. Sometimes it, it's fluffy in a way that, like, it wasn't even part of the 90s. Like, I don't... I do not understand... No one else has ever had this haircut. It is the worst haircut in the history of time. And then when she wants it to be fancy, she folds it over all around her head like a crown. And let me tell you, she is the second woman to make her short hair fancy in that way. Because you know who else does? I'm pausing for you to say. Oh, I don't know. Demi Moore and A Few Good Men. And then never again in the history oh, of film. she does. That's right. She has the same fucking weird cold over fancy hair when she goes to court martial. And like, so was this an Aaron Sorkin? Like, <laughs> Was this his kink? Is was he this like... a stage direction in the, in the script of like, and then they will take all the gel available <laughs> on set and then fold their hair over all the way around their heads. And that I... is how you will know that they're dressed up. I will tell you right now that yes. Sydney Ellen Wade's entire look at the ball mm-hmm. is phenomenal. That hair is entire perfect. look, the entire whole, look, the whole look, the the back muscles, which were nuts. Her muscles are nuts. <laughs> Arm muscles and back muscles. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the hair spectacular. The uh-huh. dress stunning. Her moves. Yeah, I- the, the that, speaking listen, French for no reason. Like, everything is perfect. Everything you said in that sentence was true, including her makeup, except for that weird, weird hairstyle. It's very weird. And no one rushed out after this movie and was like, give me the Sydney Ellen Wade. No one. That's probably true. All right. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> so she's at home. She's soaking wet. She's yep. in her pajamas, which are yep. not sexy ones. Her sister, also wet, but will be soaking wet for the whole movie. <laughs> wet hair. I don't understand her sister. Sydney Ellen Wade gets a phone call from the President of the United States. Yes. And he's like, sup, girl? It's me, Andy, from today. <laughs> me, um, Andy, from today. Do you want to be my girlfriend? And she's she doesn't believe it's him. Who was the name that she thinks that it is? Rich, Richard Reynolds. I Richard, Richard. Because <laughs> she's talking to Richard, and he's like, you want to hear my Andy Shepard impression? She's like, no, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. hear that. I don't care if it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he calls back. She believes as Andy Shepard. And she's like, very funny, Richard. And she <laughs> basically hangs up. And, and the president's like, no, 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 it's really me. And she's like, okay, Richard. Um, and what did she say that's embarrassing? She goes, I thought I had oh, this movie wrote. She's oh. like, oh, I forgot to tell you what a nice ass you have. And... Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is rough. But also, I feel like pretty good for... Andy Shepard in the moment. It's embarrassing for Sydney, but like, no, he I mean, now gotta, now he knows that she's into it. Yeah, and what I love too is he's like, it's just so cool on that phone call. He's like, just hang up the phone, call four five six one four one four, which is the actual number to the White House. Yes, she's like, when you get the operator, just tell you want to speak to the president. And that look on her face, oh, perfect, <laughs> just perfect. It's I great. do remember I did get called from Jess at work one time, and that number came. I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. No, no, go ahead. When you got called from the White House, uh-huh. did it tell you that it was the White House before it called you? It said 4561414, and because I'd seen this movie, I knew it was the White House. <laughs> <laughs> I got a call once from someone inside the White House, and it told me there was a recording on the thing that was like, you are getting a call from the White House. Oh, 
that was basically like, buckle up, bitch, this is the call, <laughs> which I think is really important. When Then people are like, what up? Or, or like screen it because they don't know the number or whatever. You know, like, well, I guess you're already on the line when it plays. But I definitely remember that being the thing. I don't remember the recording. It very well could have been there, but I and just maybe remember. some phone lines and some not. I just I remember know. looking at my phone and being like, holy shit. It's the American <laughs> president, and then, you know, whatever. But yeah, so that whole, like, exchange is awesome. She accepts going to the ball, and, you know, they, they have a really nice, like, quick rapport. Like, they mm-hmm. both have the same sense of humor. They both have whatever. And but she we... also accepts going to the ball. He's like, you want to go on this date with me? It's going to be dinner, some dancing. And she's like, Mr. President, it is my honor to accept this invitation to represent our country. <laughs> And, like, just gives this whole speech. And he's like, we're not, like, doing espionage. It's just going to be, it's dinner. I'm asking you on a date, basically. And she's like, I am so excited. It's it's really funny. It, it, they're just, I think you made a good point where, I mean, I can't necessarily speak to uh, Michael Douglas, but there's a cuteness in Sydney that has to be there. Like, it can't be somebody, like, they can't dress her up to be so beautiful that you just don't buy the romance and i love the quirkiness and the the cuteness and the aw shucksness of both of them right exactly i we missed where he's so before he calls her to ask her out on the date he's playing pool with aj as bff and chief of staff and um she had called to talk to aj after the meeting and the president is like did she say anything about me (laughs) (laughs) he's like what do you mean? No, she didn't say anything about me. He's like, she didn't say anything about me. Like he really thinks he made like an impression. And he's like, like, she should have been calling to just talk about me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I could pass her a note after study hall. And they go in this whole conversation about whether or not he should ask her out on a date and whether that's good for polling and like, like whether it's good for him as a president. And finally, um, Andrew Shepard's just basically like, AJ, I like her please stop being my chief of staff. You think I should ask her out? And he's like, you should, you should ask her out. Give her a call. But it was a very sweet moment when he's like, I like her, AJ. Like, yeah, can I just, yeah. and can it, just let me go out on a date. It feels genuine, especially when AJ's like, yeah, you know, we can get you a hooker. If you're looking to oh, get yeah. laid, we can. He's like, I don't want you to get me a girl, AJ. I'm <laughs> saying I like her. I also love Jesus. the concept of AJ's would be like, you need a hooker? I got a hooker guy. Uh, my son, Charlie, I can just call him. He right. can get me a girl. And he's like, they can ensure total anonymity. And Discretion. I'm like, no, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. You're going to have to kill that hooker. Like, you get that, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you can't. Yeah, I did have the thought of like, the president hasn't dated anyone or like brought anyone to a event. But, like, I feel like he's, he's still got to be fucking, right? According you can to cut him, this. No. I don't know if this is appropriate for your podcast. <laughs> this is all we do on mine. <laughs> but I, I still feel like he's he's definitely got to be, like, kind of, like, I doing, doing I, some ladies. Yeah, I, I get that No, point. you don't think like, so? I don't think so. I really don't. Because when they get to the point where they're going to have sex, he's like, ah, this is going I too fast. I haven't done this in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's fucking freaked out. So. He says I haven't done this in a while, but I just, I don't know. He's such a sexy president. Like, I just feel like <laughs> he's the president and he's sexy. It's never happened before. And, and like, he's, and he's moral, though. He's got, he's also like, I can't, like, I don't, I don't true. strike him as the type of guy who's like, I just need some side action. That's true. He does have good character. Jerk. Okay. So now they are going to the event. Oh, first it, first it clips to uh, her making calls and Joshua Molina saying big date tonight. And she like knocks over a bunch of pencils. I, I love cute. that. I love that like physical comedy, like knocking that cup over looks so, so fucking fun. It's great. Yes. Uh, at the event, we meet Bob Rumson for the first time. He's perfect, flawless, 
not one issue with Richard Dreyfuss' performance. Bob Rumson, the and worst. Big 95 for Richard Dreyfuss, man. This was Mr. Holland's opus year. So if you hate him in this and you want to go like him, go watch Mr. Holland's opus. Sure, oh, we'll talk about family. Mr. Holland's opus later. Um, <laughs> I, th- I feel like that was loud and clear. Um, maybe not. I don't know. So Lucy uh, ties his tie and they have a little conversation about her mom and like whether it's okay that he's going to dinner with a lady. It's very cute. But now it's game time. Yeah, it's, it's on. on. I, lo- I, I kind of wanted him to be like, Luce, your little help with the shoes. I don't need that. Yeah, I, I know. He is like the smoothest dude in the history of time. He is so super smooth and sexy. And his daughter's like, come put in our shoes. Girls like that. It's like mm, everything else he does, girls like too. So yeah, yeah. the shoes. Sure. I mean, but hey, Lucy, how do you know that icebox? Okay, you're 12. You're, not dating. <clears throat> you're 12. You don't know that. Did you, was that what your mom said when you grow up? Uh, make sure a guy compliments your shoes like give me a break yeah so that's the scene and he walks out of the room she's crying um very upset um, so they meet they're like introduced like an old-timey ballroom where it's like the president of the united states and this lady and like uh she he has to go do his like president thing and he leaves her and he's like nice shoes and she's like uh-huh. um and so Lucy is the reason that he gets some. That's fantastic. Good for her. That's a good dog. Mm, no. No. <laughs> the reason he gets some is the way he says her name in that dish room. But we'll get there. Um, so, yeah. So they're sitting at the table. They're trying to figure out um, if anyone speaks French to talk to the French people. And Sydney Ellen Wayne. Why do they speak French? French? What's the Why point? Why do they speak French? What are you talking about? What? What are you talking about? Because they're sitting there and they're like, uh, the, the dossiers look bored. Yeah. And Shepard's like, hey, uh, do you speak French? Does anybody speak French? They speak English. Like, you could just be the president and be like, hey, president, what's what? up? What? They don't speak like, English. They're French. He responds to them in English. Like, they speak in French. And then the response is like, hey, you didn't dissolve our trade agreements. And then the president is just like, no, we were talking about this. Really? Yes. <laughs> no way. Yes. Nuts. He's like, because the president, the president's like, yes, we were just explaining to Miss Wade that uh, this happens with, uh, without a buy or leave from the king or queen. Oh my gosh. In my reboot, you are cast as the French president. Hands down. What an accent. What an accent. You're welcome, planet Earth. It's uh, better. <laughs> it's better than Chris Pine's accent in Princess Diaries too. I'll tell you that. Um... Let's see. Okay, yeah, so, so they hit it back in English, so I don't really get the point. Although it is very cute and wonderful, and when he leans back and he's like, "That's my date." <laughs> so um, the colloquy they have with the French president is basically like, "There's this beautiful room and this beautiful music and a dance floor. Why isn't anybody dancing?" And they said something about like how in France their heads would get chopped off if they danced or whatever. I, it sounds like a terrible country, to be honest. It's scary. <laughs> with, without um, a buy or leave from the king. That's yeah. I, it was really good piece of writing yeah um it's france man it's terrifying <laughs> i'm not gonna go there um so <laughs> i just think it would be really funny if they were talking about modern france everybody misunderstood i also love that you're like because when i go places i gotta dance so if i'm gonna get in trouble dance, and i'm not asking fucking permission from any kings <laughs> i've gotta dance what is this footloose fuck you the kids won <laughs> Um, and so then Andy Shepard, the smoothest move, so fucking smooth. I forget what they, he goes, I've got a better idea. And then he stands up, he stands all the way up 
And then he yep. turns to Sydney Ellen Wade and says, would you like to dance? And then they're going to be the only one, the only ones dancing. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Smooth and- as fuck. <laughs> like really smooth. What? I just couldn't stop thinking last night. What if she looked up and was like, I don't really like to dance. <laughs> then it would have been done. You would have been like, well, we tried it. You'd but have been like, it's okay, done. AJ, you can get me a girl. Oh, man. Just... And then she gets up and they dance and her back muscles are so good. And like, it's, she's he's like, such a good dancer. She's like Rambo 2 shredded. Like, it yeah. is impressive. Yeah. And it's a good dance. And then they have those line, iconic lines about like, how do you do it? There's 200 people in this room and they're always like, who's the president and who's the, I don't have this movie memorized. Like, who is this girl? And like, they're all looking at you. And he's like, they're not looking at me. They're looking at you. And like, cause you're beautiful or whatever. Oh, no, it's so good. He doesn't say that. Cause I like no, that he, he doesn't. doesn't, he doesn't always reduce his flirting to like, you're hot, you're beautiful, you're sexy. That's true. You know, he's like, look, the 200 pairs of eyes are not focused on me. They're focused on you. Focused on you. And the answers are, Sydney Ellen Wade. Sydney Ellen Wade. And, and because, because she said, she said yes. yes. Oh, my heart. My heart. <laughs> oh, I love it. And He's as so a, fucking smooth. And like a 12-year-old Cole was like, I'm going to start taking some notes right now. Cause, yeah. Because maybe uh-huh. I'll get taller. Maybe one day I'll be taller. I don't know. You did get taller, but did you incorporate these moves into your game? No, no. <laughs> I can't I don't, be. Do you think I could be Andrew Shepard? I don't, I, don't, I don't remember you ever dancing with any women. I don't think this happened i'm glad you took those notes though it's good i did take the notes it was more like become president (laughs) oh so you never got over that first hurdle of becoming the leader (laughs) of the free world interesting interesting okay uh so then then we're kind of on after this we're like on the fast track yeah we are uh she gets to work or oh i'm sorry the next morning he tries to order flowers god damn every scene in this movie is so good so good. He tries to order flowers. First, he just wants the number of a florist, and Janie can't figure that out. She's just like, what are we trying to do here? What's what's happening? What I'll call a florist. And he's like, no, I just want the number. And she's like, why? Because why, though? And then he calls, he's going to call that florist, and, like, Lewis is in there for some reason. And Lewis, Michael J. Fox just does such a good job of just being, like, an annoying turd for, like, the first 45 minutes of this movie, and then he becomes the hero of the movie. Oh, he he wins the movie. Yeah. Michael J. Fox wins this yeah. movie. It's it's like annoying, 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 a level of integrity we could never imagine. And then the end. Um so. <laughs> right. and then and then makes fun of people for not knowing how to spell erudite. <laughs> We're good to go. Fair. Um I I'm probably one of those people. So he's like, Who we calling, sir? <laughs> and, and I also love like how quick he was with like we're calling the United Organization of the Brotherhood of no, your damn business. <laughs> yeah. It's like then Lewis kind of I'll be with you in a moment. Away. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he tries very hard to order flowers. He wants to order dogwoods because they're the state flower of Virginia. He asked Miss Landingham, uh, whose name is not that yet, but will be, what that is. Uh, then he finds out it's a tree. <laughs> the Florist believes he's being intentionally difficult. <laughs> then he reveals that he's the president and they hang up on him. But here's the thing. like, Has he ever ordered flowers before? Ever? What, like as a person? Yeah, because I know the type of flowers you can order. Like you can order roses and don't ever order a carnation out there. That's ridiculous. But maybe his, uh, his but murdered wife, Mary, maybe, and... maybe her state flower was a normal one. You know? <laughs> maybe her state flower was tulips or whatever but like the concept that like 
oh, no one's ever heard of this flower. You probably. And then when she's like, oh, no, the dogwood's actually a flower. I want two dozen. Dude, if she had dogwoods, <laughs> when you said dogwood, she'd have been like, I have those. Right. I will put some together for you. Yeah. Maybe he's just used to being the president at this point. He's like, why isn't probably. it happening? That's probably true. Although I also love how everybody in the office is like, oh, yeah, no, the dogwood uh, is a safe flower. No, the dogwood's a tree. It's a tree and a flower. Everybody knows shit about dogwoods. <laughs> I don't get that. I feel like once you get to a certain level of status in life, you just assume things are going to happen. One time I stayed at a really, really, really fancy hotel and I ordered French fries be delivered to my room and they asked me what kind of ketchup I wanted. And I said, what kinds do you have? And they said, we will get whatever brand you need. I was like, I only know Heinz and ketchup, so I better come up with something <laughs> real fancy real fast here. Were you, were you trying to think of that, like Aldi brand? <laughs> I would have tried to come up with the most obscure. It's like, oh God, if I say Heinz, they're going to think I'm a loser. I shouldn't be I, here. I want the I want the ketchup, and you'll know it on the label because there's no vowels. In it. <laughs> so that's. I told them to make it fresh. I was like, better get some tomatoes <laughs> and some salt. No, I didn't do that. I was just like, you know, well, whatever is the whatever is the. I'll have the chef's recommendation. <laughs> yeah, top shelf, whatever is up there. <laughs> okay, so then we get Leo. Sydney Ellen Wade's boss confronting her the next morning about how she's on the cover of the newspaper with her date with the president looking really good in that shot from the oh, newspaper. Yeah. Really good stuff. Yeah. Um, she looks great. And that just makes John Mahoney look even dumber with that belt buckle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't I also don't imagine a lot of people who are running the Global Defense Council strutting in with like a dinner plate belt buckle. I it's weird because you'll point out things that I'm like, I didn't notice that. But then when I go back in the Rolodex of like, I can jump to the scene and I know what you're talking about now, but I didn't really notice it in the moment. Um, yes, it's an insane belt buckle. He says such wonderful quotations as, did you sleep with him? And I hired a pit bull, <laughs> not a prom queen. Um, yeah. And something about being the next tabloid joke uh, with an egg timer or something, something. He's not wrong, but he's pretty right. wrong, if that makes sense. He's he's right, but he's doing it wrong. He's right, but he can't should not be saying it out loud. <laughs> yeah. These are things we think but don't say, Leo. You can make the point of like, look, I need you, I need you for a reputation. Mm -hmm. It's important to me that you don't look too close. Because I think we do at some point have to have a conflict of interest conversation. Yeah. Do we? Because we're at like an hour and 32 minutes in. I don't know that we have time. Uh, yeah, there is, there is one. I mean, some things that Bob Rumson says are valid. The fact that she yeah. is the lobbyist for a very liberal organization that has a lot of power um, right. and a huge bill that could compromise and change drastically the president's agenda. Yeah. And she's got his ear all the time. Like, that's not... Not a big deal. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there's that that struck me last night is like I fucking hate Bob Rumson. Like I hate him. Yeah. But this is a not just a perception problem. No. This is a problem in reality. Yes. This is and I think that's and we'll probably talk about that when we talk about the twenty nineteen version, but this is problematic. Not just like the concept of him dating, but like this is there's issues here. Mm hmm And they both want to pretend there's not issues. Because the next scene is the president, you know, like his staff's in the room and they're like, How how are we gonna handle this Sydney thing? Um, the Sydney issue and the president gets super mad and is like, this is my personal life. This has nothing to do with with my public persona. And that may be true if Sydney Ellen Wade is a waitress 
but right. it isn't true if she's a lobbyist. It just isn't. And this is, you know, this storyline gets recycled a little bit with Sam and the call girl in season one mm-hmm. of West Wing. Yeah. Where this, like, these really, really smart people decide, well, no, this shouldn't be an issue, so it's not. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's a little too naive to just assume because you don't want it to be an issue that it's not an issue. Right. Also, Leo, great name. Um, yeah. Use that again. Uh, that, uh, so that, that's a good I'm glad you brought that up because Sorkin comes up with some great names AJ McInerney yeah Andrew Shepard is that's like, a really good name that's the coolest person that's ever lived mm-hmm. so Sydney Ellen Wade shows up and says I can't see you anymore um, and I need to tell you the reasons why because my boss doesn't want me seeing you and there are some serious concerns here I want to talk about and she gets conned into coming over for meatloaf later basically mm-hmm. It's like just come over yeah. for the meatloaf. How how and this, just, this is not a bit. It's just meatloaf. It's not a threat. And he's he's just so fucking cool because even when she's like so fucking charming, he does. He's like, well, you know, he, she doesn't or he doesn't want us to explore a social scenario. Yeah, when you say it like that, it doesn't sound that great to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's so <laughs> like, cool, so charming. Um. So then she arrives for meatloaf. Uh, he pretends to be on the phone with the dentist, but he's really on the phone with like what Israel or something um yes they have c-stab c-stab um, what is that vest they put lucy in by the way kids wear actual clothes that's ridiculous <laughs> she's the president's daughter she's either wearing care. that vest or a light blue crushed velvet um slip dress which we'll get to later that's from sure. my date with the president's daughter yeah uh, no, there's I also don't. a pink one it's the same dress twice uh, we, we are okay. gonna have a will Friedle corner don't worry <laughs> Will Friedel Corner should be the name of your podcast and you should change the entire content and uh, uh, structure. And talk about the four movies he was in? Yeah, awesome. over and over. <laughs> um, so yeah, they okay, is this the dish room? Oh, first we clip to Rumson saying that he wants to run a character campaign now because they couldn't the first time because the president was a widower and you couldn't touch it. But now, what does the president have? President's got a girlfriend. That's right, Bob. You're correct. <laughs> He's got a girlfriend. Then we get the scene in the dish room where the president takes Sydney and Wade. On the right oh of her my life. God. And she's like, did you see the flatware in this room? And he's like, no, because I'm looking at you and you're sexy as hell. This is not the dialogue in this scene. <laughs> but he keeps trying to like say her name real sexy. And like he keeps trying to like lean in. Yeah. There's a moment where she's talking about flatware and he's like, Sydney. <laughs> it's very good. And um, Michael Douglas has a phenomenal voice. He does. Oh, my God. Yeah. We before I watched this movie last night, I sent you a text that said Michael Douglas was sexy in Romancing the Stone and Never Again. And that was not true. He was also very sexy in the dish room. (laughs) So finally, he says, do you think there's ever going to be a time where you can be in a room with me and not think of me as the president of the United States. And she's like, no matter what room I'm ever in with you, I will still be a lobbyist and you will still be the president. And he's like, Sydney, as a lobbyist, you would never be in a room alone with the president. And then they smooch hard and it's mm-hmm. awesome. Very mm-hmm. hot and sexy. And then guess what happens? Libya bombs C-step. So I mean, talk about... A boner killer? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (sighs) So he has to leave to go murder some people, and it sucks. It sucks. Well, he has to go. He actually, he leaves to create an episode of The West Wing. 
called proportional response. Yes. So they have this discussion. And he and, says and the same the th- line that the president yeah. says in the last week about proportional response. It's the same line. Why fuck with a good thing? I guess. Um, but also, do you want to discuss the, the, the upsides and benefits to a proportional response? Because, like, we can. It's not I know it, a dumb It doesn't seem to concept. be a hard concept. <laughs> anyway. I What I love is that this movie continues to give you the romance, but, like, throw me back into the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I love that ping pong, and I think it's the major strength of the movie because you're like oh shit other stuff is going on mm-hmm. and i think i think that continues to make the audience think is this like a good thing or a bad thing that he's dating like is it mm-hmm. wrong morally is it just wrong because i mean should he be dating like it's interesting questions are brought up just by having these like oh you guys wanted to make out for a bit i get it but the libyans just killed some people so yeah um so then kind of so then they do if you want to see the scene you can also see it in the west wing they go bomb libya the janitors yep. um they they knock out some janitors and then the next thing is a press conference he's doing about the bomb he just sent off that i like i was in the military 4 weeks ago like i don't understand what, right. like the bomb that just happened and everybody's asking about sydney and like somebody like straight up is like did you do her did you get it in and he's like <laughs> people have died let's keep our eyes on the ball which is accurate that was not spectacular response yes that's not an appropriate question right now you should not be asked back to the white house press corps right read the room bro yeah he already answered your question yes i was having dinner with sydney ellen wade when this happened that's that's already that's a whole article man so like just tone it down a little bit anyway yeah so off of that and you know we're starting to see that this is going to be starting causing some problems. Yes. You know, we're, we now have people are on it, but these, these two are dating at this point. I think we're moving towards, he wants like a serious relationship with her. Yes. She is still like, fuck, I can't do that. She's home with her sister. Um, she's saying, I can't do this anymore. He had to leave the dinner to bomb Libya. Like this is, this is not a sustainable situation. And it's a it's career suicide for him. This should not be happening. And the sister's like, maybe raise your standards because he's like a super hot president. And like, right. he calls on the phone and she's like, I'm not answering because it's him. And she's like, you're answering the phone. <laughs> he's a super hot president. Like, what are your standards? Which I think yeah. is kind of funny because her sister's probably not involved in politics at all. She's just assassinating people. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. In, in, in one way, she is about politics and that she does carry out the assassinations for uh, the Russian underground. However, I love that he's just like continues to pursue her in what I think is a very sweet way with all of this shit going on around him. Yes. Yes. So she comes over and she's like, again, trying to break up with him because she does. She's, she says, I don't want you to pursue me outside the political arena. And he says, well, I have no uh, intention of pursuing you inside the political arena. So that leaves nothing. And that's unacceptable to me. And he says that her problem is sex and nervousness yep because I don't really get it <laughs> he's the president of the united states and she's probably nervous to have sex with him because she's concerned that he's all powerful i also love that he's come up with a sex plan yeah so she has to go freshen up so she comes into this room being like we are breaking up this is not a sustainable situation then he says that she has a problem with being nervous to have sex with him and this reverse psychology works hard. He basically dares her to do sex on him. And she's like, I yeah. will do it now. I Five minutes ago, we were breaking up. And now that you called me a chicken, now we're <laughs> going to have sex. So she goes to the bathroom to freshen up. 
And he's like, when you come back, I will outline the plan I have for us. And she's like, go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. And he, it's a slowdown plan. It is a slowdown Where they plan. will go step by step toward sex. And then she and comes when, back. And when she's comfortable, that's when it'll happen. I'm like, yes, yeah. that is how all sex works. Yeah, that's how all sex works. <laughs> what, yep. what was your that alternative? Is, your your plan was consent. Slash perhaps. Aaron Sorkin. Um, so she comes back wearing his shirt, which is apparently the sexiest thing ever. I don't understand you, man. Um, hold on, hold on. I do have a note. Oh, God. White dress shirt, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. What is it? What is it about you, man? I don't understand it. I can't really explain it, but it's a thing and it's awesome and it should always happen. (laughs) Okay. All right. Period. It's just, um, no, she, she comes out and it's like she's like the sexiest person on earth at that moment. Like it's from the it's hair perfect. down, yes. Uh, <laughs> from the hair down, it's working. <laughs> and he says, maybe I didn't explain correctly the slowdown plan. And she's like, no, you explained it great. And he's like, okay, well, now I'm very nervous, and my nervousness <laughs> exists on several levels. Uh, the first, of which is I haven't done this for a while. The second is any uh, misconceptions you might have about me being... And then she cuts in, and she goes, the most powerful man in the world. And he's like, yeah, yes, that's what <laughs> yeah, that that's, is. That's, the, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she cuts him off. That comes and then she the says, office. Yeah, yeah. He's like, that's a, that's not a personal distinction. It's not, it has nothing to do with sex. It comes with the office. And then she says his name's sexy. She's like, Andy. And then they smooch hard, mm-hmm. and then we assume that it leads to sex because she's still there in the morning putting on her boots trying to leave before the press gets there <laughs> well, did you did you notice though when she puts on the shirt and she comes out she's like i'm gonna fucking rock your world right now like that's happening mm-hmm. and she puts her hand on the bed and gives it like a press oh yeah i happen <laughs> to know that's your favorite part of this movie we've discussed it before <laughs> So she like she, tests the bed out a little bit. She tests the bed for bounce. What, are you afraid you're going to break it? Like, no, she needs to know how much bounce there is. <laughs> if the just, memory foam is too soft, it's a problem. Okay, I just it Sexually, was very funny to me that she came out. And she was just she like, wants to make sure there's enough bounce. Need to. I don't. Figure out. I don't see this as weird. <laughs> <laughs> so so they apparently have like the greatest sex on earth. To the point that Lewis needs to come on and check on him. <laughs> but wait, I do want to say this. When they start making out and you know that they're going to smash, it is overlaid with the audio of Bob Rumson screaming about family values. Yep. Um, do we want family values back in the White House? Yeah. Do we want... <laughs> I don't know the rest of it. But um, I thought that was very good direction or writing. I don't know who came up with that. It, it, it is. Very good. Yeah. And... What I said earlier about Rob Reiner's sort of pedestrian directing was just that there's not a ton that you had to do with this material. That's kind of his style. Like, what's yeah. great about Rob Reiner is he just let, he picks incredibly, all re- like, really good things, like, really good talent, scripts, all over, and just lets it breathe. Yeah. Like, that's his talent as a director, is letting the writing and the, the acting go. Yeah, it's it's very sort of a... Clint Eastwoodian way mm-hmm. of making movies where they're like, just just let the actors do the thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we then get to Bob Rumson screaming. He's and we finally, I think that's the first time we hear, "I'm Bob Rumson, and I'm running for president." I'm running for president. <laughs> yeah. I also like that when Lewis comes in in the morning, Sidney Ellen Wade tries to fake like it was a meeting, and it's like, "Thank you for going over those fossil fuel numbers with me, <laughs> Mr. President." I'm like Sidney, that's not gonna work. Okay. This is Lewis. He knows everything. He probably had a camera in the room. Okay, He's, he was sleeping under the bed. Yes, that was 
He just poked his head out like, uh, we got a problem, sir. Yeah. So they have to sneak her out. Uh, then we just kind of like have a montage of like things aren't going well for the president. Polls are and dropping. I, the crime bill's not going well. I love the montage. I totally just, love it. I'm a little confused by the politics of Sydney able to get votes based on this promise that, mm-hmm. hey, if we get 24, the next 10 come with the White House. White House mm-hmm. is losing power. Can't get votes for the crime bill. And right. I feel like I feel like a lot of the reps that she's talking to would be like, look, would know that. Yeah, would be aware that right. we've now dropped, you know, 20 something points in five weeks. Yeah. So th- I do like that this montage sort of just jumps us so forward that we get to the third act. It's now time to kind of start concluding. Right. And this is where kind of all the tension comes in with she comes in from a bad meeting on DuPont Circle because she can never figure out. How oh, to my get God. She cannot. She mm-hmm. cannot with the DuPont. And on Christmas, it's a DuPont fucking circle. circle. On Christmas? It's yeah. a regular. I don't know what your DC living was like, because um, you lived in town, right? I lived in Tenley Town, so I lived over by American. But I've been okay. to DuPont Circle a bunch. Yeah, I, here's the thing: neither of us lived super close to DuPont Circle. Uh, but I had a friend who lived in DuPont, so I was there a fair amount. It's not a difficult driving. It's a regular. It's a large area. traffic circle, but it's yeah. not. But you don't get stuck in difficult. it. I've never known anyone to ever get stuck in a traffic circle. That's the virtue of a traffic circle. It just keeps going around and around. I don't know. Chevy Chase and European Vacation. Um, <laughs> period. And that's it. Those are the only times. And Sydney Ellen Wade, I guess. I don't understand. You don't have, like, crazy traffic in a traffic circle. That's the whole point of it. I don't get well, it. She had just got off of a meeting with Sorley McCluskey and Shane, which, again, great names. Yeah, great names. The Motown 3. Maybe. I don't know. But it happens again. Um, so I don't know, but okay. Also we've got, she's got an FBI file. Cause one time she burned a flag for the ACLU. Bob yep. Rumson loves in, this so much in protest of the apartheid. Oh, was it apartheid? She was protesting <laughs> apartheid. And I'm sorry. I think we did skip very quickly. A thing that was think, pretty bad. Yeah, uh, think, well, a lot it, of people protested. And it's one of, one of my favorite quotes in the book. And, and we're skipping a couple of things, but you just continue to get this. Like Bob Rumson's on the hunt. Yes. And. Then he saves a, a a strike from happening with the airlines, and he's like, "Hey, let's right. go to Camp David." Yeah, and well, I just you know, it's my favorite line when Bob Robson sees the picture of her burning a flag oh, twenty yeah, years ago yeah. and says, "It's burning for Christmas." And then they're in the car going to stop the airline strike, and Lewis says to the president, "They've got a picture of Sydney Sydney Ellen Wade." burning a flag and the president goes today like <laughs> he just so I, he's like when she, she went out and burned a flag today i just saw her like jesus and, and it's raining it would be almost impossible <laughs> yeah i just thought that line was great <laughs> well and i i love the whole car scene and that's that's one of the reasons it takes so long to get through this movie is like mm-hmm. they're short every scenes, scene is great everything's great and you you're sitting in the car and when he figures out it's like oh it's 13 years ago in protest of apartheid he's like wait a minute Somebody I didn't know 13 years ago when I wasn't president participated in a protest where no <laughs> laws were being broken in protest of something that was so bad that it so doesn't bad. exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just out of curiosity, what was the fourth story on the news? That like, was verbatim the quote. It's he goes just, into the florist. They pass the florist that he calls. He goes and like shames that florist. And she's like, yep. girl, Kiki, it was, at the ga- <laughs> it was at the basketball game. And then he's like, I need service. And she's like, I will be right with you. And then she passes out good stuff that, 
again, I did find it problematic though that it, the two African American characters. Yeah, it's like Kiki. Movie. It was at the basketball game. Yeah, that's that's a rough <laughs> that's a rough watch. But yeah. they uh, they get there and they're talking. They're at Camp David, and this is where she says, "I love you." Like I know mm-hmm. it, but I should probably go away. Hmm. And he's like, mm, "Nah, nah." And this is after Bob Rumson calls her a whore on television. Yeah, he he's like he's basically like when you hear one thing, you ignore it. When you hear two things, when you hear three things, so basically that she's like slept with all of Congress to like yeah, she get sl- her she- lobbying points and. He's just like, look, I can't get into this character debate. And that's what this whole movie is about is like, should we engage in a character debate? Should we not? I can't do mm-hmm. it. I've got one election left. And he's like, I can't. I'm sorry. I get that all your friends are hearing this, but I can't challenge this guy just because mm-hmm. he makes fun of my girlfriend. And what I love is that he's like trying to explain to her, like, this is why I can't do this. You might not understand. And she's like, look, I'm not asking you to. Like, right. that is, you're, you are misconstruing everything that I'm telling you. And right. that's the part of, I think that probably goes away in certain aspects of the West Wing or the newsroom or whatever that is still sort of in place here is that he gets immediately called on the, I don't need you to explain this to me. Mm -hmm. I know what's going on, Mm -hmm. but you're not hearing me. Mm -hmm. So I I love that aspect of their relationship. And then he's like, look, you go wherever you want, but I'm going to find you. (laughs) Yeah. And that's supposed to be very romantic, but it's actually a little bit creepy. It was the second time it was creepy because like at the beginning of the movie where she's like, I don't have a phone. How'd you get this number? He's like, I don't know. Probably the FBI. I'll find you. Like, I don't care where you are. I'll find you. So this all culminates in the scene with Lewis being, well, the first scene where he's a hero. And it's basically like she said something to the president about these Motown three that basically the only thing they they hate worse than her bill or his bill is her bill so that by killing her bill, they could buy these three guys for the crime bill, if that makes sense to anybody what I just said. So basically they can fuck her over and pass their crime bill and they've come to the point where they need to fuck Sydney over and pass the crime bill and kill the fossil fuel bill. And. The president's mad and he's like, she deserves every opportunity to pass this. This is a good bill and she deserves it to pass. And Lewis is like, she, Mr. President, you do mean it, don't you? Um, You do mean that this piece of legislation deserves every opportunity. And like he loses his shit. That's the last time I think of him as an asshole because I remember every time that happens, I think, God, he's going to be a jerk again. And then he launches into this like cogent defense of American constitutionalism. Right, right, right. But he's basically like, we've been saying nothing. Bob Rumson's the only one they're listening to because he's the only one that is talking. And people want leadership. And when they don't get it, they will go to all the, they will basically listen to Bob Rumson because there's no one else to right. listen to. Right. And if there's not water, they'll drink sand. And right. then the president says the smartest thing ever. Lewis, we have had presidents who are beloved who couldn't find a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. 2019. How many times in this movie do they go like, God damn it. Damn it. God damn it. Aaron Sorkin was a prophet and it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's so fucking true. Um, Yeah. So then we click. I do to... like in that scene though, real quick before we move on. I love mm-hmm. in that scene where AJ like snaps at him mm-hmm. and is like, "No, the president doesn't answer to you." And he's like, "No, he does. He I'm does a answer citizen. to me. I'm an American citizen." Oh God! And like the wrong actor in that role would have been such a doofus. Uh, but Michael J. Fox can pull off being 
That's right, Jed. Here I am on your podcast <laughs> talking about your actor. Um, actually, I was going to say something nice about Michael J. Fox. Maybe I should say something mean, make him more angry. Um, but what I was going to say is he can... For, he can pull off being like just annoying little like bleh, for the first like half of this movie and then come in with some of the most credible I, this speech was just so good it was so it was. believable it was so honest and then you realize that lewis is the best one in there yeah absolutely so we then move on they make the deal and sydney's not happy no she gets the news. They're having a celebration party for passing their bill because they got all their votes. And then she right. gets p- called in and, and fired because they didn't actually get her votes. And it's because she's fucking the president. Yeah. Now we go to the White House. And now now it's what Lewis has said, even though the president, I think, sort of shut him down at the end of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of a get out of here moment. Obviously, it stuck with him. Mm-hmm. And we go to the president's bedroom and he gets lit up by Sydney because she's looking for a sweater and. She's basically like, you fucked me. Like, this is what started. happened. I got screwed. <laughs> yeah. And then he does the most like pandering thing ever. Uh, it's like, nothing happened to you. The environment got screwed. Like, well, she got fired and stuff. Yeah, she got fired because of you. Because of you. Because of something she shared with you in confidence. Yeah, you you know you're wrong. And I think that that's another hallmark that's probably correctly written in a lot of Sorkin strips where uh, men are <laughs> extraordinarily defensive and like to say like, no, 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 no. Very technically... Very technically, if you're listening to me, you probably don't understand this, but nothing happened to you. And then sit back and go, the heroes sort of try and come around to... I will say that the two lines that are like her big lines in the scene both make no sense. First one is slamming the drawer and saying, fuck the sweater, she'll have to live with disappointment. Is she talking about the sweater or her sister who wants the sweater back? I can't right? figure that out because I think she's talking about the sweater. And like, why would the sweater get be disappointed that it gets to live at the White House now? Why is she personifying the sweater? <laughs> what I, what I bumped on that, too, and I, I was like, there needs to be a scene in there if you want to have that line, which is a perfectly fine line. And I feel like he wrote the mm-hmm. lines, like, I'm going to use this no matter what. This scene would be terrible and should be cut from the movie, but, like, we need to have a scene that's like, I need that sweater. Right. That sweater means everything in the world to me. Like, I have to have it. You borrowed it. I need it back. Because there's no context for this fucking explosion. Yeah, it's, it's very weird um, that she delivers it great. And then at the end, when she's walking out, and he says, you know, that he doesn't want to lose her over this. And she's like, you've got bigger problems than losing me, Mr. President. You just lost my vote. It's like, you're going to vote for Bob Rumson, Sydney? Right, right. He literally yeah, called you a whore on television. He, he's, yeah, he's done some I, really terrible stuff. And you disagree with all of his politics. I don't think you're going to vote for Bob. But, you know, I understand what she means. But, like, um, she's lying. But it all works. She's lying. I it's mean, a bluff. It all works. Yep. And <laughs> what, what I love about it is it inspires the greatest political speech in american history yes first i want to say this he has the argument with aj where he throws the pool cue at him after this yeah he says like how's the view from the cheap seats that is a great scene between him and martin sheen very very good it is like incredible and and i'm sorry i skipped it. no i i know we're going long but i just want to say it's really good and also he sorry no no i was just gonna say it's such a great scene like there's so many great little fucking scenes like it's it's impossible to believe at the end of the movie like every scene should have a 10 minute yeah sorry (laughs) (laughs) but he says to aj has he lied has bob rumson lied i know i did this i did that i i i am soft on this i am she did come to the white house she did sleep over what it's like she he's he said on tv that she slept with the whole virginia legislature andy yeah, yeah, he fucking yep. lied. Yeah, he's lied. He's lied. A lot. Yep, I don't I have that down. Okay, anyway. Every time, no, every time he says that, I'm like, yeah, dipshit. Yeah. A lot. All right. A big one. But now we're at the best speech in American film. Yes, 
and this is like this is where Sorkin shines, and this is what he works towards, and he loves having these large monologues because even if you newsroom to me got better as it went on, but like that speech in the pilot is fantastic. It's so clear that Petty Chayefsky is the hero of Aaron Sorkin Mm -hmm. uh, that he's like, I'm going to write a network speech and everything I do. Yep. So he just kind of comes out and I love that there's no setup for it. Nobody knows he's doing it. And they do the voiceover of Robin, like answering questions at the press Mm -hmm. gaggle. And then like, is the president ever going to answer questions about being a member of the ACLU? Yes, he is. Yeah. And then we just launch right into it. Which I want to say that the, the apartheid protest had something to do with the ACLU. Like, there was something, yeah, you're she right. was affiliated with the ACLU in a way that Bob Rumson was pissed off about. So I think that's why everybody's asking about that's his affiliation point. with the ACLU. Or she used to lobby for them or something. Um, yeah, I forgot that. But that's how the idea for this podcast came up, is my husband said something, he asked me if I was a member of the ACLU, and I said, yeah, I'm a card-carrying member of the ACLU. The question is, <laughs> why aren't you, Bob? It is an organization... <laughs> and did tell me you told him the whole thing i i went through the whole aclu part that is you know right. defending the amendments anyway this um, is the whole organization <laughs> defend the constitution yeah. and he has never seen the film <laughs> no was very very confused he's like he's like you have a seemingly very well prepared response to my question he did yeah and he's like i'm not bob he did walk in last night while i was watching this <laughs> and he's like what's this West Wing or something? And I was like, no, this is the American president. And he's like, it's the same guy from the West Wing and he's the president. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, but it's not. <laughs> he was very confused that this movie existed <laughs> independently of the West Wing. <laughs> it's really not. It's just a prequel. No, yeah, it is. Anyway, yeah, it's great. Are you going to play it? America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. You've got to want it bad because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this land is the land of the free? Then the symbol of your country cannot just be a flag. The symbol also has to be one of its citizens exercising his right to burn that flag in protest. Now show me that. Defend that, celebrate that in your classrooms. Then you can stand up and sing about the land of the free. I've known Bob Rumson for years, and I've been operating under the assumption that the reason Bob devotes so much time and energy to shouting at the rain was that he simply didn't get it. Well, I was wrong. Bob's problem isn't that he doesn't get it. Bob's problem is that he can't sell it. We have serious problems to solve, and we need serious people to solve them. And whatever your particular problem is, I promise you, Bob Rumson is not the least bit interested in solving it. He is interested in two things, and two things only, making you afraid of it and telling you who's to blame for it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you win elections. You gather a group of middle-aged, middle-class, middle-income voters who remember with longing an easier time, and you talk to them about family and American values and character, And you wave an old photo of the president's girlfriend and you scream about patriotism. You tell them she's to blame for their lot in life. And you go on television and you call her a whore. Sidney Ellen Wade has done nothing to you, Bob. She has done nothing but put herself through school, 
represent the interest of public school teachers and lobby for the safety of our natural resources. You want a character to debate, Bob? You better stick with me, because Sidney Ellen Wade is way out of your league. We've got serious problems, and we need serious people. And if you want to talk about character, Bob, you better come at me with more than a burning flag and a membership card. If you want to talk about character and American values, fine. Just tell me where and when and I'll show up. This is a time for serious people, Bob, and your 15 minutes are up. My name is Andrew Shepard and I am the president. It's so good. It's so good. I had it on a CD. Like I I remember like yeah. ripping it off of Mozilla uh-huh. yeah. and putting it on a I, CD. I think I have it too. Or I did at one point. Um yeah. yeah. You go on television. It's just great writing. It's great performance. It's so good. Yeah. You want somebody to debate Bob? <laughs> you stick with and which I love is like Ted Cruz tried to uh-huh. rip that in mm, 2016. Like, mm, We've all seen it, Ted. Pump the brakes, Ted. We're going to get the guns. Yeah. Can you imagine a president <laughs> just, saying we're going to get the guns? Well, actually, President Trump did say we're going to get the guns at one point and then had to go back and be like, I didn't mean we're going to get the guns. I meant something different. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I, we're going to get the <laughs> Nerf guns. guns. We're going to get the Nerf guns. We're going to replace the yes. Nerf guns with guns is what I said. I promise. But uh, no, it's it's just so fantastic. And again, it's so optimistic. And then at the end when he's like, I'm sending White House Resolution 455. Okay, well, it's going to need to come from right. one of the bodies of government. We're getting rid of it. But sure, whatever. I, I love that like this speech is just, it, I said it last night. Like I was mouthing it with the movie. And then we get to the final scene where Sydney's come back to the White House. And she's like, my car just kind of steered its way over here. And. Then they, then they just, I, I do have a problem that they sort of end this romantic climax with lies to each other. Uh, I didn't send 455 to the floor to get you back, and I didn't come back because you sent 455 to the floor. Yes, you did. And yes, you did. And it's super romantic, and just stick with it. It's fine. Yep. There's no there's no need to be like, I didn't do, I, Sydney, had you never come back, I wouldn't have regretted it. Dude, if she didn't come back, you would have pulled that shit and yeah. put 10% in there in a heartbeat. He would have found yeah. her, like you promised. Uh, <laughs> he would have tracked her down. <laughs> so we get that and then he finally gets to give her roses at the end you think all the romance is gone and he's got a rose garden and then he delivers what i can only assume is the greatest state of the union that lewis rewrote in 35 minutes yeah because lewis is fucking smart Um, he's like a wonderkind yeah he's 45 but they keep calling him kid throughout the entire movie i guess because he's short i don't know It's a George yeah. Stephanopoulos problem. It's okay. All right. You want to cast it? Guys, that was the American president. And now we're going to improve on it improve by telling you it. who is in the 2019 reboot of the American president. Yeah. So why don't you fire off with Andrew Shepard? Oh, it's a very difficult role to cast because you can. it has to be 35. But you could cast a 60-year-old actor in this role if you wanted to because he doesn't have to be hot. You don't need to, like, want to see these people, like, bang. You, you know, like, it's, right. you just got to... This character has to have an, an obscene amount of charisma and credibility. Has to be able to be extremely powerful, fill a room, deliver that final speech with some level of um, believability that this is the most powerful man in the world. But also has to be vulnerable enough to be like, ah, shucks, about sex, and kind of be, like, a little bit goofy, um, and self-deprecating and like not really have his footing in the realm of like romance. So you can't cast like some like a I don't know, like a 
Chris Maloney, Jason Statham. Like, you can't, you know, like, these people that are, like, powerful because Nobody, it's like, oh, it's the president. Like, Bruce Willis, you were saying. You can't cast, like, a Bruce right. Willis type. There needs to be a nerdy version. There yes. Needs to be a, there needs to have some goofballiness to it. Charm is what you have to have. Like, you can have somebody who may not be physically attractive. And I have some right. people on my list that I'm worried are too attractive, but I think mm-hmm. could be really interesting. Well, before um, I watched the movie last night, I had some names on my list that I was like, this could be a a, a good, credible person, like like a Paul Rudd. Yeah. And then I watched the movie, and then I was like, Paul Rudd can't give that speech, though. Nope. Paul Rudd doesn't have a passionate bone in his body. No. There, there, there needs to be somebody who has humor, but is not yeah. humorous, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I was thinking, like, a maybe, very... a, maybe an Eric Bana could do it. No, you mm. can't. No. So I wrote down two men that I am personally in love with, and I don't know if they are good to be cast in the movie. It's just that I am I personally would like to see them say the words. Um, and those two men, I'm so worried that you're going to make fun of me. It's so hard to cast. Of course I'm going to make fun of you. Come on. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> That's, That's the works. problem. Um, Mark Ruffalo. They knew! They knew! Listen. Listen. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to say the other one. You tell me, who's your Andy Shepard? Who's your great Andy Shepard? This is so good. I gave you one. You give me one. I have five. Five? I actually have seven, Mm -hmm. but two don't work because they're about five years too old. Okay. Five, six years too old. I think Mark Mark Ruffalo would do a great job. If you put that hair on him, I think he'd be great. I I love Mark Ruffalo, by the way. Yeah. I just watched 13 Going on 30 the other day. Just because. Yeah. Because it's a great movie. Yeah. So, uh, okay, I'll trade you one. And, and these are in no particular order. Although, the two that I think would actually be pretty good, mm-hmm. but they just, they're just a little, I think, aged out of it, are my boys, Kevin Costner and Russell Crowe. I had people like that on, for Russell Crowe 2019 cannot play this role. I'm sorry. The he, end. He's going to have to drop some weight. He's going to have to drop some Casey weight. KC could do it, but I, I... I skewed younger because I feel like I if you too. make this movie with a Kevin Costner or like that, that range of actors, you're still making a 90s movie somehow. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, not I, new. I totally agree with you. And it's it's also like they, they 10 years ago, you could probably make it with them. Uh-huh. It's just we're in a different place now. Uh, it's a different aesthetic. And I don't think you can go with them. But I do have my first choice is Oscar Isaac. I have Oscar Isaac. No shit. He's my last one. Do you see him? Is that no shit? Yeah. Wow. How about yes, you do. Yeah. And you have far better handwriting than me. Yep. So who's your who's your second one? Because we need to pick who it really should be. I You're going to laugh at me so hard. But the problem is I'm just Probably. so in love with this person that I can't see straight. Um, Bill Hader. Just Hater's think about on my it though. List for somebody else. Just think about it though. I know. I think you'd do a great job. Hater is written on my pad right here. Yes. But it's for somebody else who I think he's going to be way better for. Fair. So the the five that I have, and we should just pick out of the ones you have and the ones I have. But I had Oscar Isaac. Uh huh. I had Sterling K. Brown. Uh, see, he, I Sterling K. Brown came up in my thought process, but I am not attracted to him at all. So I can't do I have, it personally. <laughs> I, I understand that people are, but I'm not. <laughs> I have Kyle Chandler. Oh, that's an interesting choice. And then I have She Would Tell Ezra for. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then here's the one that I think is like, I kind of want to see this movie, but I'm afraid he's too attractive. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Bratt. Because mm-hmm. he's got thinking... charm in spades. Uh-huh. Like, well, like... maybe you could go with a less attractive Benjamin Bratt. Because I was thinking about Pedro Pascal for a little bit. <laughs> And then I was like, no, 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 I can't do Pedro Pascal. Yeah, I don't think. See, he's got too much. Like he's too leathery. He looks like he's he looks like he's scheming <laughs> yes. all the time. Yeah, 
Yeah, there were a but, few people that I was like, no, they'd look too, like, uh, I was thinking about, um, like, Walton Goggins. I was like, that are just too, like, schemey. Yeah. But I think. Yeah, there's no, there's no room for Walton Goggins in. If you did the hair on him, though. I think I think the hair is so part of it, and I love him. I love that guy. Well, but I was trying right. to think of people have have that hair. could do everything because they kind they kind of would have to for this role. You have yeah. to do everything. And the, and the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, there's really not a Michael Douglas type of person. No, there is right now. You know, Matt Damon kind of came across, but I'm like, nah, not. I mean, kinda, but no. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And Clooney's too old. I yeah. think Clooney's the obvious choice ten years ago, but mm-hmm. he's too old. So I think since we both had Oscar Isaac, we probably. <sighs> I don't know. He's like a tertiary one for me. He's this I have one, two, really three, four, five people. Part. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I cast Bill Hader. All right, let's okay, cast I w- Sydney. I would I would go with Kyle Chandler probably out of my five, but yeah. Um, I think that's a good so, okay. pick. I didn't think of that. I had one. I mean, I have five written down here. Really? But I have one. I have the there's the one, and then a bunch of people who can say that they auditioned for it and were thought about it. All right. I can't wait. The The runners up are Kristen Wiig. Uh-huh. Well, you can't cast her with Bill Hader, but yeah. <laughs> right. She'd have to. Well, that's okay. the thing. You have to like have chemistry. Like Kristen Wiig and Oscar Isaac should never make out. Like that's not. No. No. I have Frida Pinto. Okay. I have America Ferreira, uh-huh. who I think could be really good in that. And I have Laura Prepon. I actually thought about Laura Prepon, but I think she's a little bit too. I don't think she has the giddiness. That would be essential to right. the role. But there's only one in my eyes who, okay. who plays this role, and it's Viola Davis. Viola Davis? Viola Davis. Really? Only per like the this was the easiest one for me to be like, this is my Sydney Ellen Ray. How old is she? I don't care. <laughs> Shit how old she is. <laughs> she doesn't work with any of your Andrew Shepherds. Could you imagine her with any of those Andrew Shepherds? Yes. <laughs> Which ones? I could imagine her with Benjamin Bratt, yeah. Kyle Chandler, and Oscar Isaac. Okay. But yeah, she's. I would rather pick an Andrew Shepard that's not even on my list for Viola Davis as Sydney Ellen Wade. Yeah. I had a. You, you have to have a strength and a giddiness and all that stuff that. Mm-hmm. That's a hard. And you can't be like too hot. Like you don't. You right. don't want like a blind. You don't want like a model. Right. I know who Aaron Sorkin would cast in this role, and that is Olivia Munn. Um, yes. <laughs> she did not make my list. I, I was thinking about women that can be, like, very bubbly and, like, awkward and flustered, but also very, like, articulate and um, Pitbull-esque, and that's kind of what you need Right. I mean, her. I was thinking, like, Emily Mortimer, but she was already in the newsroom, and I was trying not to pick people he'd already right. had. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I... <sighs> I had, a, I had a long list. I Katie Holmes was on my list. Yvonne Strahovski from... Uh, Chuck. Yep. yep from, <laughs> I was going to go with Handmaid's Tale. But she's like very powerful in Handmaid's Tale and was like... Like the two roles, I feel like she could handle that. Um, I like her a lot. I, you know what? My Sydney Ellen Wade, I think would be Gina Rodriguez, but she's way too young. But like, just imagine yeah. it. Just there, put her in there. There were a lot. There were a lot in that 25 to 30 range. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you would be good, but... Like, I even think America Ferrer, although she's, I think, like, my age, mm-hmm. is a, a little too young. You yeah, know, I think but. Gina Rodriguez is our age as well. Um, I was thinking Kristen Bell might be fun. I, I love her in The Good Place, but, yeah, that's a... It's so hard. It's so hard. Kristen Bell's so whatever to me. But yeah. No, I, I think she'd be good. Um, Olivia Wilde was on my list. Alison Brie was on my list. Alison Brie I gave some thought to. Yeah, I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard. I also think it's interesting if you want to do a 2019 one and not do the exact same movie, 
and it really i think changes the entire dynamic of the relationship is to flip the two mm-hmm. and that movie is long shot i was <laughs> i have on here long shot is the rated r remake yes. of of the american president yes but uh okay so right. out of those i'm sorry i'm, I'm saying viola davis I all right that's was. fine uh, so chief of staff aj McInerney, who you got i had two names um oh god just hit me i feel like i just failed so just tell me yours they're <laughs> bill no hater no <laughs> i have josh uh josh charles okay yeah and that's who would be cast in this role and who i want to be cast in this role is Lori metcalf oh that would be very good i think she'd be incredible that that she's my number one i don't know i had two kind of like beta males i had john krasinski jason siegel yeah i, like I don't both know of those. bill Hader doesn't get the the lead role i think he would be good who do you have for Bob Rumson? I think there's only one person that can play Bob Rumson in 2019, and his name is Bradley Whitford. You have a Bradley Whitford and thing. And I said I would get back to Mr. <laughs> Holland's opus, and you showed me the trailer for Bradley Whitford's terrible new show where he conducts a uh, small-town choir, yep. and boy, are there notes of Mr. Holland's <laughs> opus in his conducting style, and I just think there's no... And that's who Aaron Sorkin would lobby yep. to be cast in this role. I don't, I don't hate that. Can't you see him going, beginning to look a lot like Chris? You can see it, right? <laughs> I did anyway. not have him, but I had Michael Keaton and Sam Elliott. And also Richard Dreyfuss <laughs> still alive. <laughs> Could still. Still Senator Rupson. Still play the role. I'm, yeah. I'm running for president still. <laughs> yep. So, uh, all right, let's go to Lewis. I have Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And Jesse Eisenberg. Okay, I like both of those. I have Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. Oh, for him, the smart, the smartest yeah. guy in the room, but sort of not underappreciated, but sort of unassuming. That's the problem. I appreciate him so oh, much. Oh, I love Bill Hader, but I just I, I thought he'd be good in this. I also have Michael Pena, and mm-hmm. I thought Henry Golding would be good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you do Lucy? It did not. I just have Jacob Tremblay Sorry. because he's the kid and everything, or any of the Stranger Things kids. <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch a lot of movies with kids in them, so. Uh, sorry, I, I, I was hoping for you on that one. Sorry, I'm sure Shauna Waldron can come back. She doesn't seem to be super busy, so yeah. Uh, who do you got next? Uh, Leo. Yep. Okay, I have Bob Odenkirk. Oh, I like that a lot. That that's yeah. better than anything I have. I don't want to tell you. Honestly, in some version of this movie, I think Bob Odenkirk could play Andy Shepard. Yeah, and like a like a worse, less romantic. <laughs> I think he just has a lot of like charisma and like if you, it's hard for me to listen to you focus on the hair and then say I think Bob Odenkirk. (laughs) You gotta put the hair on him. You just gotta put it on him. I I had Kevin Pollock and Mm -hmm. I had like a like a very little trying to make a bit of a comeback. Ed Norton. Ugh, Ed Norton. I know. (laughs) So did you do Leon? No. Okay, I had two for Leon. I did Susan. (laughs) <laughs> okay, perfect. We'll take your Susan. We'll take my Leon. All right. Haley Joel Osment is Leon. <laughs> Bearded. Bearded. Haley Joel Osment. Yep. yep. Fresh off of Tusk. Uh, <laughs> Haley Joel Osment. Ready for his comeback. Hey, he's on The Boys. Um, June Diane Raphael plays Susan. Yes. And plays it exactly oh, the same. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> perfect. Oh, she's perfect. Because of the long shot. She's Susan in the long shot. Yeah, but she's Susan in everything. She's Susan in uh, Frankie and Grace. She's, 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 she's Susan in life. She's Susan in year one. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Because also, Wendy Malick, still around, could probably do the same thing. Yeah, she could probably do and it. And then the last one I have is Robin. Did you have anybody for Robin? No. I, I, Gwendolyn Christie. I should have. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. And basically, just... Does need a tall person. Just because you, you got to have two tall McCall. you got to have that line in there. <laughs> nothing I can do about it. Yeah. 
So I, I think, I mean, we gave you guys a lot of names. I guess you can make up whatever cast you want, but I, I think, I think this movie could be remade. I, I mean, I'd watch it. I do too. I just do not know who would be in it. I, it's, it was so hard. Yeah. It was so hard. And I spent, believe it or not, guys, I spent a lot of time thinking about this and those were my So did picks. I. It was, we were texting back and forth. We were like, this is getting out of control with the amount of names that I'm, I'm yeah. going through. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I think we're in yes. hour six of this. Yep. Recommendations for the folks out there. Um, my date with the president's daughter is a um, <laughs> probably going to need Disney Plus for that because I don't think that exists anywhere else. Oh, you can find that on YouTube. I am <laughs> certain of it. Uh, it's just you know, it's just a light romp. It's so good. Um, no, but it is hilarious. I don't know. What do you have? I have Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Eh. Uh, have you ever seen it? Yes. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, for Michael Douglas, uh, check out Black Rain. Really mm -hmm. interesting, Ridley Scott movie. I like it a lot. Romancing the Stone, the only time he was <laughs> sexy before this. If you need an Annette Benning fix, check out The Grifters. She's phenomenal in that. That's a, also just mm -hmm. a really good movie mm -hmm. all the way around. And for Aaron Sorkin, uh, he hasn't written, it feels like he's written a million, million things, but he really hasn't. It's actually not a lot. But the one that doesn't get mentioned that I think is really underrated is Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, now we have to talk about sports nope. night, huh? Charlie Wilson's War. Really? Yeah. yeah. We're gonna, I'm going to have a sports night episode. Yeah, I like Charlie Wilson's War. When you... Oh, good. Can I be on you, it? Because I've seen it. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We have a long-going, decades-long fight about whether or not I actually watched sports night or told Cole that I did and didn't watch it. But anything else? Um, You want to know about this presidential erotica book? Uh, <laughs> it is called... <laughs> this is so perfect. <laughs> Three books. Uh, American King, American Prince... I think American Prince and American Queen by Sierra Simone. It is a menage between the president, the vice president and the first lady. Very good. Very good stuff. Hey, I love it. I'm going to have to check it out. So yep. any, anything should. else on American president? No, nope, I think we're All good. Right, well, hey. We've talked about it for like two and a half hours. So I think that should be enough. <laughs> well, thank you uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you so much. You bet. Uh, do you want to plug anything? Plug the podcast? Plug, uh... Oh yeah. I host uh, with my friend Melody, the Heaving Bosoms podcast for those of you who are interested in romance and romance books and just listening to two girls laugh for like two hours straight once a week. Is that a good plug? Was... Does that make it sound good? Yeah, probably not. Anyway. And they can find you on the... <laughs> Cole's on it sometimes. They can find you on the Twitter and everything. Yeah, we're uh, heaving underscore bosoms on Twitter. We're heaving bosoms on Instagram. We've got a fan club on Facebook called the Heaving Bosoms Geriatric Friendship Cult. Um, where else? I don't know. We're, we're all on. We're on all the... We're the only thing called heaving bosoms. Yeah, if I you promise. search that, you'll probably get them and some other probably interesting stuff. So, guys, appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can find us at... Uh, Sigburns Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Obviously, you can email us at cigarettebrunspodcast at yahoo.com. Thank you again for all the rating and reviewing. We're told that like people that continue to do that, it helps with pushing us up lists or stuff. I, I don't know. I guess I believe that. But uh, if you want to go rate and review, we'd love it. If you leave us a movie, we'll review it on the air. And uh, thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. 
we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show. <laughs>